Do I sound thick? No, oh, I sound do thick. Yeah, it's definitely. You sound thick forward. too. It definitely does sound cool. You sound thick too. Thank you. Hell yeah, dude. I like this. You're, we're a little more in yeah, in our th- ear. I think this is how we always do it. It doesn't sound like we're uh, trying to shout through Coke cans anymore. No. Which is pretty exciting. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bumblebutt Podcast X. 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 The only podcast on the internet that uh, <laughs> is... Dr- drinking LaCroix's. Yeah. We're the only ones drinking LaCroix's. <laughs> we're going to go with it. Yep. Only podcast on the internet drinking LaCroix's. Uh, we are here to talk about more murder, mm. more mayhem, mm. more... Dysfunctional mm. families today, Herschel. All right. And do you remember last week when I half lied to you and told you we were going to cover a woman? Yeah. Well, this week we're covering a full woman Ooh. and only a woman, Herschel. Secret woman. Nope. She was a, a regular oh. woman the whole time. Regular woman. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Herschel, your name is Herschel. My name is Adam. Herschel, yep. how was your week? It was good. What'd you get up to? Uh, the same thing as every week, Pinky. You just went to try to take over the world? Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, just went to work? Yep. Came home. <laughs> didn't watch uh, all the shows man, you didn't. wanted to. I think they you know, had other shit going. I gotcha. I hate when I don't get a chance to watch the shows. Though. Oh, you gotta keep up. Yeah. Otherwise, you're behind the times and people kick you out. I mean, luckily, I don't talk to many people. That's, so. That is a good thing, actually. Yeah. Keeps us uh, free and fluid mm-hmm. for this thing. Mm-hmm. For this thing of ours. What's that from? This thing of ours. Oh, this thing of ours. You know. This fraternity of drug dealers drink it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also from uh, Godfather. Oh, okay. That's what they call the mafia. This thing of ours. Mm. Well, we're not here to just talk about no, bullshit. Yeah. This week, I went to work and also had fun. Uh, uh, my downtime was spent researching and... Catching up on shows, I guess. Playing mm-hmm. some baseball, watching hockey. The Wilder mm. back on. That's, yep. that's good stuff. Yep. So, with all that bullshit out of the way, I think it's time we get down to our case. Mm-hmm. Today, Herschel, we're going to be talking about the Death Row Granny. Damn, Death Row? What, she was with uh, Suge Knight them? On Death Row? How low can you go, Death Row? Let a brother know. Well, she's on Death Row East, though. She's uh she's with Chuck D and Flavor Flav. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you tired of motherfuckers dancing to your video? The Granny of Death Row. Margie Velma Bullard, but known commonly as Velma, was a serial killer who used poison to kill her victims. She would eventually earn the nickname Death Row Granny, but we'll get to that later on. Yeah, let's do that. Velma was born October 29, 1932, the second of nine children to South Carolina farmers Murphy and Lily Bullard. Mm. Velma's family home was an unpainted wooden house that didn't have electricity or running water. Unlike Mm. most farm families, they didn't even have an outhouse, and shitting was accomplished with chamber pots and trips to the woods. (sighs) This already sounds like this. I see where all this shit came from now. Some children of the corn. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Not children of the corn, but... Something. Whatever this ends up being, I see where. No electricity, dude. Not even an adequate place to... Lay your load. All right. 
Papa Murphy's parents also lived in the house, as well as his sister Susan Ella, who had a shriveled arm and leg due to the polio epidemic. Did they make pizzas? As the Great Depression worsened, Murphy found it damn near impossible to survive off the sale of the cotton and tobacco he grew, and he was forced to take a full-time second job at a sawmill and later a textile factory. Mm. What's a textile factory? They make textiles. Oh, okay. I kind of figured that. Just... I don't really know. <laughs> I know they have them in the South. Okay. Murphy Bullard ran his home like a feudal lord would his kingdom. He was the undisputed family leader, and Lily was his submissive wife. He was quick to anger and hard drinking when he didn't get his way, and even quicker to unflinchingly beat his many children with his belt. Fucked up. One thing that especially pissed off Murphy was a kid with a smart mouth, and both Velma and her older brother Olive had a tendency to talk back. Mm. Olive believed that Velma wasn't punished nearly as often or as severely as he was, and that led to a lot of conflict between the siblings. But don't everybody kind of hate talking back kids when you try to discipline them? <laughs> yeah, especially abusers. Child abusers. Child abusers, but they also love it so that way they can beat the shit out of the kid. I think. Okay, so you think they hope that they talk back? It's a weird little little twisted game that these and you would pick on them more just so you could. That's that, great. that is that is fucked up. That's torture and gaslighting and all that stuff. All but it's like the kid they keep talking back too, mm-hmm. so they must have a problem too. Yeah. But to, I mean, you don't have to act on it. Act on it. Yeah, but. you should. You should break the cycle. He was convinced that their dad loved Velma more than him, and she was convinced that their mother loved Olive more than her. So it was a real whodunit of who loves who and why mm-hmm. they love him. Velma never liked how easily her mother rolled over for their father. Decades later, in her memoirs, she would lament how much of a pussy she was with him. Mm. She says, I seem to accept daddy's high-tempered ways because I thought that's the way men are. Mm. Mamas should love their children and stand up for them, and mama never stood up for me or any of the rest of us. Mm. I mean, shit. That's how shit goes. That's that's in a lot of relationships, though. It's bad stuff. It is. Toxic monogamy. It is. Mm-hmm. We should break the chain, too. Break the cycle. But I still like monogamy. Just don't be toxic. I don't like polygamy, polygamy which is more than one partner. I like uh, I like pair bonding. I like mm. one person. No, oh, okay. So you wouldn't be. You definitely wouldn't want to be. I'm open, not trying to be open like in a, marriages and a shit. A thruple or whatever. No, oh, yeah, like an open marriage. Yeah, or... that doesn't sound great to me. But no, hey, should... whatever you want, whatever rocks yeah. you. Yeah, go ahead. But that's not for me. I don't yeah. think I'm mentally equipped for and that. And that's kind for of everything. Thing. Everybody not gonna like what you like. That's right. That's God's will, yeah. right, Herschel? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> go, man. <laughs> Every time Velma took a whooping from her dad, she was even more upset with her mother, who saw it all and did nothing. Mama Lily Bullard had to step carefully in her own house in order to deal with her husband's temper, as she would often be on the receiving end of Murphy's fists. He was a violently jealous man, who was also constantly cheating on his wife, which certainly added to the tensions in the family. Might as well just go ahead and get rid of him if you're going to cheat. What's the point? And why are you so jealous about what she's doing if you're out fucking around? Anyway, yeah. Seven-year-old Velma started school in fall 1939. She loved it at first. 
She was smart, precocious, and got good grades mm. and positive reinforcement from the teachers. Mm. It was a complete flip from the crowded house filled with her father's abuse and her mother's inability to protect her. Mm. Soon enough, though, Velma started having difficulties with the other children. She didn't wear the new pretty store-bought dresses that all the of other girls course. wore, and her shoes were sturdy and worn. They made fun of her plain lunches that consisted of some kind of meat and a big slice of cornbread, which sounds fucking delicious to me. Mm-hmm. So she started sneaking away to eat in private. So I'm pretty sure these kids probably had electricity too and shit. Too. I bet they, you, you bet your tits. She was definitely behind the eight ball, man. That's fucked up that motherfuckers do that. And that shit is not cool. And kids are ruthless. Yeah. They'll find anything different to pick on you. Yeah, that's not cool, bro. This cruelty, because of her poverty, made her start stealing. It began with pilfering coins from her dad's pants pockets and escalated to her embezzling $80 from a neighbor's home. Murphy hit her with the belt so hard for this one, she couldn't sit for a week. This seems to have curbed her desire to steal, as there were no other reports of thievery when she was a child. Mm -hmm. As her age progressed, Velma's chore load kept steady pace. She had to help out on the farm and also care for her younger brothers and sisters as if she were a parent. She grew to resent the amount of work heaped upon her, but never openly rebelled for fear of getting a championship caliber right cross to the jaw from her father. (sighs) (laughs) Down goes Velma! (laughs) Velma felt her mom and pops never actually wanted her, except it, to be a slave and surrogate parent. Mm Mm-hmm. To really fuck up Velma's head, Daddy Murphy could be super loving and caring, often organizing full 9 versus 9 baseball games with his children and other neighborhood kids. Velma absolutely loved playing shortstop and was often the only girl in the game. Mm. Despite his harsh discipline, Velma was more than pleased to be a daddy's girl, living for the times when the pair could have bonding moments. Mm. One time when father and daughter were walking along through the streets of J. Cole's hometown, Fayetteville, Velma saw a dress that was embroidered with lace and pretty pink flowers. She exclaimed how much she wanted it, and as they were walking past, Murphy marched straight into the store and bought it for her. A few years later, however, Velma claims her father entered her bedroom late one night and raped her. In the months leading up to this, she said there were confusing situations where he had felt her up, but he had claimed it was for medical reasons. <laughs> You're a farmer. <sighs> what medical reasons do you need to be a goddamn yeah, farmer? Yeah, go feel up a pig and figure yeah. out if everything's where it's supposed to be. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a human. Several of Velma's brothers and sisters staunchly dispute her claim of being an incest victim. From the outside looking in, The family does possess many of the traits that are characteristic of incestuous families, such as a severe power imbalance between husband and wife and a father who drank to black out. But there's no way to say for certain whether or not this happened. Velma could lie like none other, and her manipulation game was next level. A claim of father rape would be an easy way to play upon people's sympathies. I'm also not going to doubt rape victims, you understand? Mm Mm-hmm. Don't doubt rape victims. In 1945, Murphy Bullard put in his two-week notice at the mill. He wanted to return to full-time farming. He bought a few more acres, which included a small but far more modern home for his family, including both running water and electricity. Ooh, we own. After only a year, he came to the realization that he couldn't support nine kids and a wife off his crops alone. And keep water and electricity. Yeah. So he yeah. returned to the mill. Yeah. 
Velma was now in high school. She no longer got the good grades she was used to in elementary, mm-hmm. but she found an activity that she enjoyed at Parkton Public High, mm-hmm. basketball. Even though it was super uncommon in 1945, Parkton High had a girls' basketball team. Damn. And Velma found the fast-paced game an amazing way to burn off excess energy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. That's why the Y is full of people and gang <laughs> violence. Maybe you should take that out. The gang violence part? <laughs> but you can't keep one and then, <laughs> and then keep the other. G. You got to take one of them out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just beep it. <laughs> Nobody will ever know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> basketball. That's just the correlation. You know, basketball, gang violence. It's bad, yeah. It, it's good. it's right in my head, yeah. It's super racist. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me. You're telling me. I got to live with it. Oh, my bad. You can go. (laughs) Of course, because Velma found something that made her happy and started to fill the gaping hole inside of her, Mm -hmm. her mother made her quit the team. Mm -hmm. You see, Lily had recently had twins, and she needed Velma at home with the housework more than ever. Mm. This absolutely broke Velma's heart. Yeah, because she couldn't hoop, man. Shit. If you, you, I've seen the Leo movie where he does heroin instead of hooping. What's that called? I don't know. Basketball Diaries. And, and Oh, DiCaprio did do it. I didn't see that movie. That's sad. And he started doing heroin? That's why it's, yeah. He was fucking skin popping like a mother. Sucking wiener for heroin and stuff. This is heroin, though. This is not co- cocaine. You know, just regular finna sniff heroin. Like, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, he was, you know, putting it in the old arm there. All the while, Velma began seeing a high school boy named Thomas Burke. He was a skinny little fellow with a face like a jug, but he had a tender heart and a good sense of humor. The Mm. pair would walk each other to class and flirt with each other. Of course, Papa Murphy cracked the whip, saying Velma was absolutely not allowed to date until she turned 16. Mm. Then, on her 16th birthday, Murphy changed his mind. He still didn't want her seeing anybody. After much begging and pleading, Velma got her father to agree under the strictest conditions. Only double dates, and she always had to be home by 10 on the nugget. Mm, 10, not bad, though. 10's pretty good. I had like a 9 curfew for a Mm. while. And I wasn't even a bad kid back then. I don't think I had a curfew. Southside. Well, my pop. You know, you know, you work and shit. But we were, working. But we were actually good, though. We would be in a crib. Yeah, because outside reasonably. was dangerous. Yeah, that's true. Outside was the concrete jungle. Yeah. I've read The Jungle by uh, Upton Sinclair. So we would be in the house. That's about meatpacking plants. We would probably even be in the house quicker. They didn't curfew. People probably pushed the brinks of curfew. We yeah. would probably actually be in the house. Yeah, let's just go play some No Mercy. Because, know? again, you can't yeah. watch the Disney movies being out in the street. No, you can't. You have to be home Smart at House. 7. Yes. Smart House starts at 7 p.m. Yeah. So you, Central. You, you better be at the crib with your snacks and shit at 6. Yep. 6.30. No, you're right about that. Uh, I don't know what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, all the good shit came on, you know. 7 o'clock. Yeah. TGI Fridays. Yep. I mean, that was like 5 to 9 you had programming on, mm. you know what I mean? You had to practices, you know, at the high school, you go to practice, and then you... Baseball, then Disney yep, Channel. Yep. Then No Mercy, then yep, Bedtime. Yep, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When Velma turned 17, Thomas proposed marriage, and Velma accepted. 
Mm-hmm. Her and Murphy got in an all-out screaming match upon breaking the news, mm-hmm. ending with her father breaking down in tears and drinking himself into oblivion. He Both, just wanted to drink. Yeah, of course. That's He's a fiend. Yeah. Both Thomas and Velma dropped out shortly after marrying. Thomas Burke would hold a variety of jobs from cotton mill, farm labor, driving delivery trucks. Velma worked for a little while at a local drugstore. But Thomas didn't like her working outside the home, so mm-hmm. she quit. The newlyweds were living in a small home in Parkton when the young wife got pregnant in 1951. Mm. On December 15th of that year, she gave birth to their first child, Ronald Thomas. His sister Kim was born September 1953. Mm. Velma loved being a mother. She felt complete for the first time in her life. Yes, she She was indulgent and protective and would frequently read to her youngsters to make them more intelligent and curious. On the other side of the coin, she couldn't stand to be separated from her kids for even the briefest of periods. Man. When the kids started school, her true helicopter parent nature came out. She became the grade mother for both of her kids' classes and was always available to chaperone on field trips and the like. She and her children joked that they had automatic arms because whenever a teacher asked a class if someone's mother could help assist with a project, their arms instantly shot in the air. Velma could always be counted on. She often drove the kids in the classes to field trips, and the youngins would fight over who got to ride with her because she <laughs> was the most fun. I bet she wanted her kids to have fun. It just so happens if you was there. Those helicopter parents. Did you have? Any, did you ever have to deal with any of them? Did you ever go into any of their houses? South side of Chicago. Yes. Everybody's working. It's, it's a little different, bro. That makes sense. Well, I went to some white kids' houses. and So tell me, what's hol- helicopter? They hover above their child and they they make all the decisions and point them in the right directions and it gets to the point where they're like call professors to argue grades for their kids or like no, I mean, call it was jobs like to argue it was definitely kids like okay that, that there you go parents that would be a little overbearing way too much yeah. and that shit's like nuts yeah max <laughs> no joke Around this same time, Velma took a job. Apparently, Thomas didn't object this time. The family needed cash. Hell yeah. So she took the midnight to 8 a.m. shift at a local textile mill. Mm -hmm. Thomas began working as a delivery driver for PepsiCo. Mm. And the family now had enough spare funds to move into a comfortable house in Parkton where they would enjoy several good years as a family. Mm, Yeah, you know, hey, I'm already liking this. PepsiCo. PepsiCo. You know what I'm saying? We were Pe- just out in the garage. There's Yay. Pepsi clock, Pepsi machines, Pepsi, whatever you need. <laughs> we just don't have to drinks, Pepsi. Come That's on, right. hook us up. And they stopped doing that. Do you know why? Do you know why they stopped giving out damaged pop to the employees? Because they would sell it. You're goddamn right, Herschel. They would sell it at a markup. Damaged goods that were not fit for consumption, but were all they I were was do like that, scuffed Pepsi. up. You know what I mean? Come on, at me. Like the cans would just be scuffed up or mislabeled. They were perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't sell them because they were fucked up a little bit. Mm, they standards. And so they were like, hey, employees, here, have some pop. Because what else are we going to do? And now they, what they do is throw it away. Break it open and throw oh, it away. No. No. It breaks my heart, man. It breaks my heart. I love Pepsi products and Frito Lays. Now come holler at us. Mm-hmm. Herschel. We don't cover happy families on this show, so the good years are going to end. Oh, I thought it was going to keep going. <laughs> In 1963, Velma was having severe medical problems and had oh. to undergo an emergency hysterectomy. Ooh. 
The couple wasn't as distraught as others might have been because both Velma and Thomas agreed that their two perfect children were more of a blessing than they could have ever asked for. Okay. Unfortunately, the surgery had a drastic and negative effect on Velma. She got very snappish and would alternate between depressed and nervous paranoid. Hmm. She began worrying that the fact she couldn't get pregnant made her less womanly and therefore less attractive to Thomas. She started to have more and more physical problems and was damn near crippled with lower back pain. Damn. Thomas Burke decided to, do, to join the JCs, which is a weird young man's organ, Christian organization for international business development. For 18 to 35-year-olds, you can make... It's like their core tenants. One of them is bonds are... Bonds should be based on brotherhoods, not borders. So it sounds like some NWO <laughs> weird bullshit. You, you not about the, the good one. Yeah, not, the, yeah. not the Scott Hall one. Yeah, I know what he's... <laughs> yeah, brother. <laughs> hey, um, uh-huh. so that means he was going to go to another country? No, all it meant was started. he would go to weekly meetings, basically. Mm. It was like a a boy's... It's kind of like the Masons or like the Wolf Lodge or something like that. How you know successful? It's successful. It's up. an international organization. So they end up successful if you go to it. There's... Bill Clinton was one. Oh, well, There's like a bunch of... You know of, what? No, it's it's weird I know, secret but, brotherhood shit. No, I know, but... Illuminati shit. Yeah, okay. You, that's crazy, but that's about... That's you try not to, crazy. If you don't think there's a a, no, a, no, no, a, no, no, no. a group of elites running the whole world, then you are. That's crazy. not what I'm saying when right. I say when I say crazy. What I'm trying to say is really what I'm trying really trying to say is he's trying to do something for his family, yeah, for the betterment of his family. Sure, yeah, and that's cool. Absolutely, that is what he's. Doing. How are you going about it? I don't know, but well, Velma, she sat at home with the kids and began resenting his absences for these JC yeah. club meetings. And then plus the whole shit playing into her head about she's not a woman and that's probably why he went. Even and more. I, and I would agree with her, but if this is like this is gonna put us there. Exactly. Like we got we got a roadmap yeah. that we gotta stick to. Yeah. Otherwise it's gonna be poverty forever. Yes. It's just gonna be PepsiCo and in midnight and to text, 8 a.m. at the textile plant. And you can't text because there's can't no phones. Text. You certainly can't. And you fucking get your hands cut off by those textile Damn. machines. That shit was dangerous. Even more than just the absences, she began to resent his drinking. Velma was a firm teetotaler who agreed with the church that alcohol was devil's poison. Mm-hmm. As such, she was furious when she found out her husband was going out for a couple beers after a shift every night. So he was he was an alcoholic too. Mm-hmm. It was the fifties. It was the South. But he didn't beat nobody behind his alcoholism. That's the great thing. Yeah. That is actually the great thing. And we'll he just got goop, went home, and went to sleep. That's pretty much it. Basically, what my dad did. Mm-hmm. In 1965, Thomas got in an accident driving his Ford Galaxy. His car squealed off the highway, hit a culvert, and sailed into the air, landing perfectly on its wheels in a random house's driveway. Damn. Thomas's head banged off the steering wheel, and he was knocked unconscious and left with a concussion. He would forever after suffer severe headaches. To his wife, he always maintained that he hadn't been drinking before the accident, but had only been exhausted and fell asleep at the wheel. Velma never bought it, and was certain he'd been wasted. His denial only forced her to redouble her nagging on the subject. And that's all dating back to her pops. Exactly. Because it cycles, Herschel. If mm-hmm. you don't break the cycle, you're just going to live 
the the life again over and over again. It's just how it goes. If you don't like change shit up. Okay, do we find out if he was drunk or not? You super change shit up by leaving Chicago. No, I think you gotta leave Chicago. I mean, <laughs> I just think no. You know what? That's not just Chicago. Sometimes you might have to leave. You gotta fly the coop. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta yeah. fly the coop. And then that's how you like learn how to know, be a person. Yes, and a lot of stars that go down to L.A. They be homeless before they get that break. Sometimes you. That's gotta... true. And so they like have to be forced. It's like if they're lucky, they live the struggle for a very small amount of time. Mm-hmm. But almost all of them probably had to live the struggle at mm-hmm. some point. And me personally, I just had to leave Chicago though. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I get had... that. Velma's resentment of Thomas finally rubbed off on her husband. Now, he bitterly disliked his wife and her constant noisy attempts to make him quit drinking. Sounds like marriage, man. He didn't drink any more than any of the other guys he hung around with, and it never crossed the line to violence within the house. Thomas wanted to know why his wife was constantly trying to ruin his life. Mm -hmm. Their arguments over alcohol became a daily affair. Usually, Velma started it, upset because Thomas had booze on his breath. Then it escalated to shouting and name-calling, ending with the children being confused and disturbed over their argumentative parents. Mm -hmm. Little Ronnie was especially concerned because he feared his father would start settling arguments the way a lot of other men did, by beating the shit out of him. And that's probably what they were saying at the bar. She's nagging you? Dude, do what I do! Yeah, give her the old backhand. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Sean Connery said in that Barbara Walters interview. I guess he was a little... I know he, he's a little too far-fetched. He's like, well, she's ruining my life. <laughs> I like, oh, no, she's just talking about drinking. Yeah. But the hysterectomy, surgery, that shit fucked a lot of shit up, man. I can't imagine... I imagine nowadays they have that shit down. I, I, I have to imagine in the 50s, without computers and shit, maybe they could hit some wrong stuff and mess up some hormones or something, you know, and they're making mm, you, you, making you all happened. crazy. Yeah, probably. It doesn't take much. We're, we're like weird fucking, mm-hmm. like we are anomalies, man. Mm-hmm. To his absolute credit, Thomas never resorted to his fists Yay. in his many furious arguments with his wife. In 1967, Thomas was arrested for drunk driving. As a result, he lost his license and with it, his job. job at PepsiCo. God damn, because that was the whole thing. Delivery. Clean record, you gotta have it. He was devastated and ashamed. The despair plunged him into depression, and he, he drank, drank more. more than ever to ease the pain that was caused by his drinking. The kids no longer invited friends over because they didn't want them to hear their parents screaming matches or see their dad blacked out in random places around the house. It's like I, mean, he, he I, I, picture Frank. Job. I picture Frank from... Uh, the Gallagher's. What's that show called? Shameless. Shameless. That's who I picture as Thomas right now. But wait, what, what happened to the Boys and Girls Club? I mean, the Boys Brotherhood. The JCs? Yeah. I think he was probably still going there. Maybe he washed out. I don't know. <laughs> it's a bad time to be a to be a Thomas, I guess, right now, or at least to be this Thomas. Everybody got breaks. We know one Thomas that was punished his whole life, don't we? Oh, man, let's not do this. I'm happy right now. Me too. (laughs) Things didn't get any less tense in the household, and it took its toll on Velma. She was more worried and frantic than ever and started losing weight at a rapid pace. One day, Ronnie came home to find his mother lying on the kitchen floor in a dead faint. He was able to revive her back to consciousness, but forced her to go to the hospital. Doctors there recommended she stay for a week. Mm. She was given vitamins and sedatives before being released with a prescription for a tranquilizer called Librium. Mm. 
When she got home, she started taking more Librium than was prescribed and went to another doctor to get a prescription for Valium. She would continue doctor shopping like this until her arrest, taking all kinds of medication that shouldn't be combined with other meds. And she also became the same person that she was getting on the husband about. I'm doing the robot right now to see see how much you nailed it. Oh, she's a a, uh, addict. She's a she's a fiend. Yeah. And she probably doesn't even see that. Hell no, she still yells at him. Even as she loudly and often crowed about her husband Thomas's alcoholism, Thomas and her teenage kids were ultra worried about her prescription drug abuse. She was taking too much, leaving her sometimes less responsive than a blacked out Thomas. Damn. So you got dad. And she fucking... probably looked more goofy too. At least he's passed out, sleep. Didn't... She probably like out of her mind still looking at you who's that one uh, uh white kid that was like tiktoking and then he died or whatever i don't know or some rapper little peeper let's go ahead yeah little peeper yeah r.i.p big boy and he he would do a tiktok i don't know or he like somebody was like yo look at little peeper he's dead you talking about mac miller Oh, yeah, Mac Miller. Oh, damn, they had that motherfucker on Instagram, Oh, no, that wasn't Mac Miller. That was Little Peeper. It was some kid, and he was just like, he was just like, he had his head back, and he was dead. Was they at a party? Yeah. Maybe it was Mac Miller. I don't know. Because I did hear that uh, he died, and they were still partying around him. That's crazy. That's And I think I want to say they knew that he was dead. You're really partying at that point. Or maybe I was a disclaimer. He said, yeah. maybe they put like, if I die, on. dude, don't stop the fun, man. They burned him around for a while. <laughs> One day in April, the Burke home caught fire. The only person home was Thomas. Both youngsters were at school, and Velma said she had been at the laundromat when she came home to see the house in flames. Thomas Burke died of smoke inhalation. Because mm, he's blacked out. At the house. hospital, Velma collapsed in tears when she was told of her husband's death. <sighs> Luckily, Ronnie and Kim caught her before she could hit the floor. A few months after the loss of her husband, Velma was able to experience great joy through the achievement of her child. Ronnie was graduating high school as valedictorian. That's tight. His mother sat among the spectators as he spoke at the commencement. In his speech, he paid tribute to Velma as the reason for all the good qualities he possessed. The proud mother cried openly at such praise. And none none to the dead? Uh, Probably, maybe. But he glorified Velma like a mofo. But she was there all the time. Yeah. She was a real helicopter. Yeah. However, the Burke family as a whole continued to have bad luck. There was another fire at their home. This time, luckily, no one was inside, but the house was gutted. While they waited for the insurance to pay for damages, the Burks were forced to move back in with Velma's parents, Papa Murphy, Mm. and Mama Lily Bullard. Soon after Thomas's death, Velma began dating a fellow widower named Jennings Barfield. Mm. Jennings had taken early retirement due to his numerous health issues. He had the diabetes, emphysema, and heart disease. He lost his wife very close to the time Velma lost her husband, and the two likely bonded together with a mutual desire to comfort each other in yeah. their grief. The romance deepened, and soon the two were wed on August 23, 1970. Velma moved into the small home in Fayetteville that her new husband shared with his daughter, Nancy. Mm-hmm. So the pop, Papa Murphy didn't rape that daughter, did he? Nope. That's Papa good. Murphy didn't rape, yep, he didn't rape uh, Velma's daughter, Kim. Thankfully. He probably, well, she's a helicopter mom, pretty sure still, right? I doubt she would have even let the two be alone yeah. in the room if she thought that was a uh, Yeah, uh, uh, come here. Well, yeah, uh, no, nah, you come over here. Yeah, you don't need to be, you don't even need to be with Grandpa. I wonder, was they still arguing and shit? 
They couldn't have been. It was just them two. Because it seems like to me a lot of the arguments come from kids. Sure. And I say that because, you know, all the shit that they come with. It's a lot of baggage. Yeah. And you and sometimes and just not having money, different ideas. Yeah, and money, and they they don't obviously. They say money isn't everything, but it sure uses the nerves. Well, yeah, well, you got kids, bro. I would love because you need money, like picture days. You need to get them clothes, field trips. You know, that's just if you don't have to do this, you can just easily dress them the clothes that they always had. But if you want to, like, just just extra money for that kind of shit, field trips. Money to go places like lunches, yeah, like and it's curveballs to come, sports, yeah, and like uh, other kids' birthday parties that they want to go to, and you can't go to the kids' birthday party without a gift. No, might as well not even go. Yeah. But you can't tell your kid that he can't go. Yeah, otherwise he's just like a latchkey kid. I don't know what that is, but that's something you don't want to be. You don't want to be. The couple was soon having trouble, mostly due to Velma's rampant pill popping mm-hmm. problem. Jennings came home one day and found his wife in a semi-conscious state, took her to the hospital. The doctor on duty said she OD'd. They separated, then reconciled when she promised to quit taking so many pills. Mm. Obviously, as a fiend, she broke that promise. (laughs) Within a couple weeks, was back in the hospital with another overdose. Damn. Both Jennings and Velma told their friends in private that they thought their marriage was a mistake. Yeah. Divorce seemed imminent. It was just a question of which one would bail first. But mm-hmm. it would never come to that. Jennings Barfield died March 21st, 1971, apparently of the heart failure that had troubled him for years and years. Mm-hmm. Once again widowed, Velma appeared not to be dealing with it well. She was despondent and aimless, often medicating herself into a catatonic state and spending most of her time in bed. She worked at Belk's department store and her performance was in the toilet because of her mood swings and super obvious drug addiction. Her boss was sympathetic, so instead of firing her, he shoved her in the stockroom where she wouldn't drive customers away. Okay. Adding to Velma's deepening depression was separation from her son. The Vietnam War was in full swing, and Ronnie knew it was only a matter of time before he was drafted, so he decided to sign up instead of living in fear of the inevitable. Well, he's dumb. Well, no. Well, look. If you want to go fight in a war, it's not dumb. The guy at our favorite gas station, or uh, liquor store... Uh-huh. The one that says it'll give you the beak about yeah. the wild turkey. Yeah. He he uh, said when he was living in fear of the draft that he laid out in the sun every single day trying to give himself skin cancer so he wouldn't have to go to Vietnam. And yeah. then luckily the war ended and the draft ended. Did he, he get skin cancer? No. That would have been he, super fucked up. It would have been. No, but reason I say dude's dumb because you're a valedictorian. Chances are you do get drafted, which you probably won't. They were taking people for Vietnam. Yeah, but Valor Victorian, I mean, he was smart. We lost, like... He, would have been, he wouldn't have been in that front line. So many people. He would have been somewhere pushing papers. Yeah. Well, you need a college degree for that. Oh, okay. And where was, at this time, where was he at in college? She, this sure. was still freshman yeah. year. Yeah. What, was, what about the daughter? Kim? How old was she? Well, she's not going to... You don't get girls... Well, no, nah, not the Vietnam. Just, I just want to know. Like, how old was she at this time? Like, how... Like, 15... Oh, okay, so she was still in high school. Yeah. Yeah, that Vietnam, man. That'd be Vietnam. That's, uh, you know. Ronnie was shipped out to Fort Jackson in South Carolina for basic training. When things seemed they couldn't get any worse for poor Velma, they did. Their house caught fire again. This her. Velma went into hysterics and was inconsolable. 
It's her, bro. Once again, Velma and her daughter move back in with Murphy and Lily. <laughs> it's her, bro. It was just in time because Velma was fired from Belk's department store. She'd been coming in late and was unable to even perform basic duties while there. She was just a drug mummy. Unemployment led Velma's chronic depression to deepen. It got even worse when she learned that her father had lung cancer. His death plunged her into the worst depression of her life. And then their house burnt down after that, too. <laughs> and then their house burned down. <laughs> like, dude, it's her, bro. She's killing her husbands. It wasn't her dad. She didn't kill her dad, though. Yeah, but she's killing her husbands. In she... better news. In Ronnie... better news. <laughs> Ronnie was discharged from the army. It is better. But it still seemed she would lose her beloved son Ooh, uh... as he intended to marry. She didn't give her blessing. Instead, she was crushed and told her son that she'd always been the most important woman in his life. And now he wouldn't even want her to come around anymore. Didn't a lot of them motherfuckers get married before they go to war, though? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And then they get the Dear John letters when the, yeah. the wives don't want to do it no more. Oof. Ronnie tried his hardest to assure her that the love of his future wife didn't take away from the love that he felt for her. This did nothing to ease her jealousy. And her jealousy did nothing to stop Ronnie from going ahead with plans for the wedding. In March 1972, Velma was arrested for forging a prescription. <laughs> she pleaded guilty in April and got off with a suspended sentence and a fine. Mm -hmm. Velma was having a great deal of trouble. After Murphy's death, she and her mother Lily fell into a pattern of constant arguing. Velma claimed Lily was constantly ordering her around like when she was a child, and the full-grown daughter refused to be a slave anymore. For her part, Lily was very concerned by Velma's overuse of pills and her problem of sometimes passing out after taking too many. Mm -hmm. Her mom didn't have no kids at this time. Like little kids? Yeah. No. She was all done right yeah. now. All the nine all the she was nine just a grandparent kids, at this it. point. Mm-hmm. And, really and that's probably who took her child when once she got locked up for the forgery and shit. The daughter. Lily got horribly ill in the summer <laughs> of 74. Her stomach was racked with cramps. She began projectile vomiting uncontrollably and suffering from awful diarrhea. It got severe enough for Velma to drive her to the hospital. The doctors couldn't find a reason for her sudden illness, however. And after a few days, Mama Lily made a full recovery and went home. A couple days later, Lily got terribly sick. She was nauseous, then vomiting. Mm. That was followed by an awful attack of diarrhea. Her insides felt like they were burning up. She told Velma that she had hideous pains in her belly and upper back. Her arms and legs flailed about, and she threw up again. She and this time, IBS. it was blood. Velma called her brother Olive, who immediately drove over. He was appalled to see their mother so sick and called an ambulance. The rescue squad allowed Velma to ride in the ambulance with her mother. Lily Bullard died two hours after arriving at the hospital. Mm. So she killed her mom. I, I was definitely thinking it was IBS. I'm like, that's a serious case of IBS. I can't believe she killed her fucking mom, though, Herschel. That's a scumbag. Poisoned the shit out of her. Them pills, man. Early in 1975, Velma was once again in hot water with the law. Mm -hmm. She had written another string of bad checks. She was convicted on seven counts of forgery. The judge sent her to prison for six months, and she was released after serving three. Slap on the wrist. A while after obtaining her freedom, Velma started to look for jobs as a caregiver for elderly sick people. In 1976, she was living with and working for Montgomery and Dolly Edwards. Mm -hmm. Montgomery was 94, bedridden, and incontinent. He was a diabetic and had lost his vision to that disease, as well as both of his legs. He could not feed himself. 
84-year-old Dolly was in somewhat better shape, but she was a cancer survivor who had a colostomy Mm -hmm. at first. Velma seemed pleased to be able to move into their comfortable brick ranch house. She got along well with both Edward and found a church she liked attending, the first Pentecostal church in Lumberton. She was devoutly religious. She was off the pills? No, no. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Look, you think you could use those two words and say she was devoutly? She ain't clean. As time wore on, tension surfaced between the caregiver and her employers. Dolly often thought Velma was falling down on the job and told her so in no uncertain terms. Velma complained that Dolly was a demanding nitpicker. Their quarrels got more frequent and more heated. Montgomery died in January 1977. Velma stayed on to aid the wife Dolly. The two continued to bicker. It was February 26th, a Saturday, when Dolly got sick. She told her visiting stepson, Preston Edwards, that she believed she must have the flu. Vomiting and diarrhea plagued her. He came to see her the next night and was horrified by how weak and pale she looked. She had to go to the hospital, he said. An obliging Velma Barfield called the ambulance. Dolly was treated by doctors in the ER and sent back home without having spent the night there. She took a turn for the worse the next day and was back in the hospital by Tuesday. Mm-hmm. She died that evening. She was she, she using rat poison? Yes. Yes. Tech, well, ant poison. But she thought, and this is a trap card. Not really. It's just like, I'll say it later. Yeah. But during the trial, she'll say, I didn't know it was ant poison. I thought it was roach and centipede poison. Because, like, she's trying to argue semantics of what kind of poison she used. Hey, okay, you know? it, you're right. It was roach yeah. and centipede. Like, I'm not guilty of killing him with ant poison. Ant poison? <laughs> like, you're right. It wasn't ant poison. They get they go get the ant poison bottle, put a piece of tape over it, right? <laughs> roach Dude, and she, centipede. She was a pain in the ass, persnickety, semantic arguing bitch all throughout her trial. And I think that's what got her the death penalty, honestly. No, let's finish hearing the story. I think, I think we go hear what got her the death penalty, bro. Because what she's doing so far, yeah, like yo, you're you're out of bounds. Yeah, she's out of pocket for yeah. sure. Now Velma had no livelihood. That did not last long. She was soon caring for another ailing and elderly couple, eighty-year-old farmer John Henry Lee and his seventy-six-year-old wife Record. Record was the one needing special assistance, for she had recently broken her leg and was hobbling around on crutches when she could manage to even get up at all. Mm -hmm. The position seemed quite suitable to Velma. The Lees lived in a brick house in a rural area in the outskirts of Lumberton. They were willing to let Velma have Sundays and Wednesdays off so she could attend church services. Mm. Problems started surfacing. Record Lee loved to gab, and the incessant chit-chat got on Velma's nerves. She and her husband often argued, and Velma disliked being present during their fights. Probably brought her back to when she was a kid. Yeah. Then, there was a check that puzzled record. She knew she had not signed it. John Henry called the cops, but the case stalled because no one could think of anyone who might have forged record's name. On April 27th, John Henry got sick. His stomach was upset, and he (laughs) developed (laughs) diarrhea. His condition worsened, and Velma called an ambulance. The medics rushed the sweaty, gray-faced man to the hospital. He gradually recovered and was released on May 2nd. And a couple days later. Henry had spent four yeah. days there. Yeah. Doctors were mystified about the source yeah. of the sickness, but thought it was probably a virus. Again. <laughs> Again. So somebody walked in and was horrified about what they said, and then they rushed him back, Did he died. 
According to the book Death Sentence, this is a quote from the book Death Sentence, throughout May, John Henry continued to be sick. For a few days, he would be perfectly okay, then vomiting, diarrhea, and cramps, cold sweats would start again. His weight continued to drop drastically. His daughters were very grateful for the attentiveness that Velma showed him. She was so sweet to him, so caring. They felt themselves lucky that she was there. Yeah, because they kept slipping him that centipede (laughs) and roach poisoning. Oh, she's a monster. He took a turn for the worse, and Velma called another ambulance for him. There was little the hospital could do for the dehydrated, terribly sick man, and he died on June 4th. Sometime after the funeral for John Henry Lee, Velma Barfield moved in with a man named Stuart Taylor. Mm Mm-hmm. Big, hulking Stuart Taylor was happy as he drove his girlfriend, plump mm. and buzzing 46-year-old Velma Barfield, to a mm. revival meeting of the famous preacher Rex Humbard. Although Stuart was not uh, entirely religious, he knew that his girlfriend was devoutly pious Christian, and she would love hearing the respected evangelist in person. Mm-hmm. Stuart was aware that there were contradictory aspects of Velma's personality. She was living out of wedlock with him, a move that had shocked her children, she also had a criminal record for forgery, mm-hmm. a fact that Taylor had discovered by accident and led him to decide he did not want to legally marry her. Yeah, she was a pill popper, which he probably didn't know mm. at this time. However, as Christians say, it's a fallen world, and many people do not live up to their own ideals. Mm-hmm. Both Stuart and Velma were crisply attired in their Sunday best as they settled into chairs at the Cumberland County Civic Center in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Mm, Civic Center. Did a lot of wrestling events there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of amateur wrestling events. Or Mm -hmm. pro, under pro, not exactly perfect wrestling events. (laughs) Pro, but not exactly perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Their service had just begun when a wave of nausea rolled over Stuart. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I'm feeling sick. Maybe it's something I ate. As Humbard preached, Stuart began feeling worse. Fierce pains gripped his stomach. I've got to go to the truck and lie down. He told his sweetie in a weak voice. The 56-year-old farmer rushed out of the packed room and into the coolness of the evening air. He -hmm. opened up his truck and lay down on a seat. The feelings inside him grew worse. He could hardly think as words were pushed out of his mind by sheer awful physical pain. Still miserable with nausea, when the meeting was finished and Velma got into the car with him, Stuart laid in the back and writhed in pain as she drove them home. She pulled over to the side of the road at one point, and a pale and sweaty Stuart stumbled out of the vehicle and vomited in the dirt. At home, he was in too much pain to sleep. In the wee hours of the morning, Velma phoned his pregnant daughter, Alice Storms, to tell her of her father's disturbing condition. Allison's husband, Bill, rushed over to see his father-in-law. He found an ashen-faced, weakened Stuart Taylor lying in bed with a wash basin beside it to throw up in. Can you take care of the pigs for me while I'm out with the flu? Stuart asked his son-in-law. He agreed to do that favor for him. Mm-hmm. Stuart's condition got worse. His chest, stomach, and arms were all racked by pain, and he vomited incessantly. He felt like he was on fire inside. The next day, Velma drove her terribly sick lover to the hospital. While the doctors examined and tried to treat the man, she discussed what she knew of his medical history. Mm -hmm. She was not well informed, but she knew he was a heavy drinker, so that had to be the problem. (laughs) After answering the physician's questions, Velma called Alice. She, in turn, phoned her brother Billy, who went to the hospital. Together with Velma, he heard a doctor say his father's dreadful condition was simply gastritis. Mm. The doctor prescribed medicine and told Velma she could take Stuart right home that night, which she did. I can't imagine being, like, released into my killer's custody over and over again. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's good. Did he get better then? Well, like all the time, Mm -hmm. they get better and then... But wait, I didn't... Did they have a problem? 
You didn't even say they had a problem or not, yeah. though. I know. She just fucking. She's like, oh, he's better. Uh, I guess I'll do. I guess we'll just go home now. What's about usually she kills? They never had a discrepancy of anything. She liked him. The next day was a okay. Friday. At around 8 p.m., Stewart had taken a drastic turn for the worse. Velma phoned John McPherson, a neighbor and friend. Stu needs an ambulance, she told him in a voice that sounded full of fear. McPherson called an ambulance, then drove to the house himself. He found Stuart Taylor looking terrible. The room had a nauseating odor because the sick man had suffered an attack of diarrhea in the bed. The arms and legs of the sweaty and chalk-faced man thrashed around, and he made incoherent moaning noises. From time to time, he screamed. Velma had surrounded the bed with chairs, their backs to the bed, to prevent him from flailing out of the bed. The rescue squad worked quickly and efficiently to bundle him into the ambulance. Its siren wailed as it raced to the hospital. His concerned lover followed in Stewart's truck. <laughs> Doctors rushed to his side, but Taylor died an hour after arriving. Mm-hmm. In the waiting room were Stewart's children, Alice and Billy, and the girlfriend who had nursed him through the illness, Velma Barfield. The doctor said he was puzzled by the man's sudden death and suggested an autopsy. Both Alice and Billy asked Velma what she thought, and she said, If you don't do the autopsy, you'll always wonder. (laughs) Stuart Taylor's adult kids told the physician to perform the autopsy. Mm -hmm. Velma Barfield and her son Ronnie sat with Stuart's grieving family at the funeral. Velma placed a comforting arm around Alice and said the words so commonly repeated under circumstances by believers. He's in a far better place now. As Ronnie left the service, he looked at another person there and observed, You know, it's the saddest thing, but it seems like everybody my mother ever gets close to dies. Yeah, dude. How could the good Lord allow this happen to such a faithful Christian like my mother? Mm -hmm. It's God's will. That's just God's will, my friend. Mm Mm-hmm. But it seemed like the doctor got a little smart. Doctor seemed to be... Well, I'm just saying, because he's like, yo, this is happening too much. Maybe, obvious is probably different doctors. I don't know. At this time. Yeah. Doctors should be curious, right? Yeah. Like, because this has been happening too much. We've been getting the same complaint. And they should be like, wow, this guy died for no reason, violently. Why did that happen? I want to know. I want to know. He was definitely pushing towards that autopsy. Yeah. He wanted it. And then she, I don't know why she agreed to it. Well, I guess what is she, she going to say? she's a beast. Oh, like, I think it, we should let him it rest. Did, it, yeah. It did a doctor would have known. Like, no. This we, bitch. We might have to call the police yeah. and get an autopsy done. Brilliant, Herschel. Brilliant. Yeah. Serial killer, right? Serial killer. Hot murder material in a serial That's box on top of my stereo. You're right. You're absolutely right. Earlier that same Sunday, a phone call had awakened Lumberton Police Detective Benson Phillips. The caller was weeping and babbling. The detective could not easily make out her slurred, shrill words. Mm-hmm. He was able to gather some from the sounds, Murder! I know who did it! You've got to stop her! You've got to stop her! Who was that? Earthworm Jim? <laughs> <laughs> the sleepy cop sighed. A crank call, he thought. Just what he needed to start his day. He had heard of no murder in the small town of Lumberden, and he certainly would have. Phillips was utterly baffled by this strange caller. He did not trust her, but then then again, he could not quite dismiss her out of hand. He had to do something, checking to make sure. He called the Lumberden Hospital and inquired if anyone had died over the weekend. Yes, he was told. Stuart Taylor. It seemed to be a death by natural causes. Was an autopsy being performed, Phillips asked. Regional medical examiner Dr. Bob Andrews had performed the autopsy, but didn't yet have the results. Mm Mm-hmm. Phillips was intrigued and disturbed, but also in an awkward position. As Bledsoe wrote, 
He had discovered that Taylor had been brought to the hospital from the countryside near St. Paul's. That would put any investigation under the jurisdiction of the sheriff. Mm. He had no responsibility. Still, he made a note to call his old friend Wilbur Lovett at the sheriff's department on Monday to tell him all about it. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. So it's that like so like I say the do side like the doctor was go if y'all didn't get this autopsy I was go and he didn't even care about jurisdictions yeah. the way that uh, yeah. this detective does but at least the detective called the sheriff to tell him make sure you follow up with the medical examiner mm-hmm. make sure you get those autopsy results and see if there's centipede it's poison. good police work going on I like the policing see when it's right it's right yeah but that's that one out of a hundred shit isn't yep. it yep. In the meantime, Dr. Andrews, who knew nothing of the detective's suspicions, but only had his own, was puzzling over the results of the autopsy. Stuart Taylor had seemingly died of gastroenteritis. It was odd for a man as healthy as him to be killed by that alone, and Dr. Andrews determined he must look further. Finding an inexplicable abnormality in some liver tissue, he put some of Taylor's tissue samples into plastic bags. Mm-hmm. Then he mailed it to North Carolina's chief medical examiner and asked for more tests to be run. Okay. Dr. Andrews was still waiting for those results when he spoke with the distraught Alice Storm, Stewart's daughter. Her father had been so big and strong. What was it that had killed him? She had a right to know. So Dr. Andrews phoned North Carolina's chief medical examiner, Paige Hudson. Hudson didn't know about the tissues Andrew had sent for examination, However, he asked Andrews for details about the death. Andrews told him about the girlfriend, Velma Barfield, who had brought Stuart Taylor to the hospital mm-hmm. and described Taylor's symptoms. Hudson instantly grasped the situation. Where'd she get the arsenic, Bob? He asked. Ooh. He knew already. Yep. Paige it's, Hudson. Did it sound like he was joking with it, though? Or he was yeah, fully it, serious? He was like, he knew it was arsenic. He just, he just said, where did she get it, Bob? Ooh. The jig is up. Serial poisoner, you gotta, bitch. You just gotta wait till these autopsy come back. It, oh, man. That's gotta feel nice when it slides into place like that. Eventually, though, she was dead. Come on. Now. That's sloppy. That's it too is. many. It is. That's and and the bodies are being found, too. You gotta let the bodies go And cold. you're bringing them to the hospital yeah. for the most part. Yeah. It's like you show your face. Very. The fuck is gonna put two and two together? That shit's disturbing. That's disturbing. She's on them pills, though, man. She's off on them bills. Molly Percocet. Soon authorities took a second look at the death certificates of the several people close to Velma who had died. (laughs) Even when an autopsy had been performed, no special tests had been done for poisoning. Rather, with stunning regularity, those she knew expired of gastroenteritis. Mm -hmm. The investigators were pretty certain they were dealing not only with a murderer, but a serial killer. Then they automatically put on a serial killer. Hell yeah. The police always do best if they can get a confession. What would be the best way to obtain one from Velma? They decided, let's surprise her. They picked her up for questioning on one of the multitude of bad checks she had written, then Mm -hmm. confronted her with Stuart Taylor's death. Since the checks had been written in Lumberton, Benson Phillips would be the one questioning her. Sheriff Mm -hmm. Lovett and homicide investigator Al Parnell were present as well, and they went over the checks. This was well-plowed territory for Barfield, and she appeared nonplussed. Then Phillips began discussing her her poor boyfriend, Stuart Taylor, who had so recently and tragically died. Do you know he was killed by arsenic? The detective asked. The plump grandmother appeared stunned by this news. Mm -hmm. Phillips pressed on, asking for details about their relationship. He was especially interested in knowing if Barfield had reason to be angry with Taylor. 
Y'all think I poison Stuart, don't you? She gasped in outrage. The two of them were in love, she maintained, and planning to wed. She had nothing to gain by killing him. It was dreadful for them to suggest such a thing. Why, she was the one who had nursed the poor man through his illness. She was the one who had rushed him to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Now they were trying to throw dirt on all her good work? They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Mm -hmm. They asked if she would take a lie detector test, and she said certainly. She had nothing to hide. (laughs) They told her a polygraph exam would be arranged and that she was free to go. Just as she got up to exit, Parnell sprung on her. Velma, you know, this can go all the way back to your mother. She glared at the investigator, made no remark, and left in a huff. Damn, he said back to your moms. <laughs> you are a serial killer if you kill your moms. If you kill your own mom, you're a serial killer. Because I would be on her side to say she's not a serial killer. She's just a regular murderer. But your moms, though, G. Like, this is not some shit. <laughs> like, she popped she popped you out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You God, lived in there. Yeah. You lived in there. It's like set your own house on fire. Yeah, you're a serial killer. Serial killer. That Saturday morning, Ronnie Burke was visiting his in-laws when his mother, Velma, phoned their house and asked to speak to her son. Ronnie was a 26-year-old man with multiple responsibilities. He had a wife and a 3-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. He worked full-time and went to college full-time at Pembroke State University, Mm. where he sought a business administration degree. Ain't that the same school they was trying to go to on Boy Meets World? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. (laughs) He he was probably graduated. He even shot with, with, with the Sean Pitbull, yeah. so it couldn't have been that hard to get. Didn't into. was Eric there too? They, Eric was, I don't think it's hard to get to Pitbull. Jesus, and then fucking Feeney got his professor. Did the young guy that was Sean Hunter's stepdad ever get Ooh. his professor credentials? No, I don't I think he just did. That's too bad. It's about the one that like adopted him. Yeah. Quotations. And he had like the Jerry curl and shit. The mullet. He the Jerry curl. Yeah, he wrote the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. That dude was cool for. He was like pretty ripped for the yeah. time. For sure. For TGI Fridays. Anyway. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Ronnie was often pressed for time and sleep, but he wanted to become the first member of his family to earn a four-year college degree. Mm-hmm. Partly because he knew how much that would mean to his mother. For quite a while, Burke had been concerned for his mom. She had suffered far more than her share of grief through the deaths of so many people she cared about. She also knew that she was taking more drugs than the doctors had prescribed for her. Mm -hmm. His mother sounded overwrought. The police had taken her to the station, she told him. Oh no, he thought. She was back to writing bad checks to cover her drug bills. Then a shock went through him. She told him they wanted to talk about Stewart. They said he was poisoned. They seemed to think she had something to do with it. He knew. Some cop had really goofed this time, Ronnie thought. Burke knew that Taylor had died five weeks previously. His mom had been devastated. He didn't know who might have poisoned the man, but he knew it couldn't possibly be Mommy. He told his mom that he would be going home soon and she should meet him there. This was a frightful mistake, but Burke was certain it could be straightened out. The cops Mm -hmm. would learn they were barking up the wrong tree. He was anxious to comfort his mom and and let her know things would work out as they should in the end. Mm -hmm. Ronnie, his wife, and toddler dwelled in a modest duplex on the outskirts of Lumberton, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. When Velma arrived there, he comforted her just like he had intended to. He didn't believe she would need a lawyer. Attorneys are terribly expensive after all, and he Mm -hmm. and his mother were people of very limited resources. The police would realize soon that she could not have had anything to do with this and just drop it. There was no need to worry. That Monday, Burke was at work when a woman phoned. She would not say who she was, but told him, I'm a friend of your mother's. What did she want to tell him? I heard she's going to be arrested today, she said. I thought you ought to know. 
Are you sure? said Ronnie. Yes, they're going to charge her with Stewart's death. Mm-hmm. I know someone who works in the sheriff's department. It didn't seem possible that the police could go so wrong, Burke thought. Yet, Mom had told him that they suspected her. Could the cops be about to arrest an innocent woman for murder? <laughs> that sort of thing happens in the movies, but not in real life. Burke told his supervisor he had to leave to attend a family emergency. He drove to the Lumberton Police Department and talked to Wilbur Lovett. They were not planning to arrest her that day, the sheriff told him, but they did consider her a suspect. He could not disclose why, and Burke left Lovett's office even more outraged and upset than he had been when he walked in. From there, he drove to the home in which his mother was living. Velma resided with Mamie Warwick, a senior citizen who allowed Velma to live rent-free in exchange for her doing some household chores. Mm-hmm. Burke found his mom taking a nap. She was in bed as he spoke to her, telling her that the cops still suspected her in Stewart's death. Velma said she could not possibly do anything like that. Then she started sobbing. Finally, she stopped crying and told her son something that he never expected to hear. Her words were soft, almost a whisper, yet unmistakably clear. I only meant to make him sick, she said. With that, what? With that, Ronnie felt like the floor had been cut out from underneath him. (laughs) So it had been an accident, but his mom had caused it. She would have to go to the police and explain. She would still be okay. She just tried to make him sick. I mean, this kid is delusional. Yeah. You're you're a smart kid. He's getting a four-year degree at at Corey University. (laughs) Your mom did it, man. Your mom did it, bitch. Yeah. What's going on? Velma wept quietly as she sat in the passenger seat of her son's car, being driven into the sheriff's department. Burke could not be present while she was questioned. She said she did not want a lawyer. Dejected Mm. but certain he had done the right thing, Ronnie called his sister to break the sad news to her. They agreed to meet at her home. In times of crisis, families need to be together, and Velma's sisters, Arlene and Faye, would eventually drive in to join their niece and nephew. Mm-hmm. What was the mom? Uh, she did, my bad. Yep. <laughs> she she was done. Did. She done being poisoned. The phone rang, and Burke spoke to investigator Al Parnell. He said, it's worse than we thought. Ronnie was dumbstruck, wondering how could it possibly any worse. There are other people. Other people she's killed, Parnell Mm -hmm. told a stunned Ronnie. Parnell went on to relate that Velma Barfield had confessed to killing two people to whom she had been a paid live-in caregiver Mm. and her own mother, Ronnie's grandmother, Lily Bullard. When Burke repeated what he had been told to his sister and aunts, a pandemonium of tears and screaming broke out in the little house. Ronnie recalled the loving mother who had fed and clothed him, bandaged his cuts, and wiped his runny nose had been a conscientious grade mother for him and his sister, taking him to church and taught him right from wrong, disciplined him and encouraged him always to do his best. That image was impossible to reconcile Mm -hmm. with the poisoner of at least four people. The prosecutor in Velma's case was a large, blustery man named Joe Freeman Britt. He Mm -hmm. was an ardent advocate of capital punishment who had been called the world's deadliest prosecutor. During one period of 17 months, Britt had prosecuted 13 first-degree murder trials and won convictions in all of them. Mm-hmm. That was a record and got him a mention in a Newsweek article. Ooh, on Twitter. Defending the accused serial poisoner was Bob Jacobson. He was a short, freckled idiot and one of the few in Lumberton who would accept court-appointed co- cases. He had never previously tried a death penalty case. Mm, so he loving this. Velma was being tried for one count of first-degree murder, that of Stuart Taylor. Her defense was that she did not mean to kill, only render her victim ill while she attempted to cover up thefts by returning money she had stolen from him. It's a pretty complex, crazy web. 
<laughs> if true, she was guilty only of second-degree murder, and the death sentence would not be on the table. Because the question of intent was so crucial, Britt argued that the jury was entitled to hear of other poisonings she had committed and their results. Defense attorney Jacobson argued that that would be prejudicial since she was only being tried for the death of Taylor, not all the other people yeah. she killed. Okay. The court of law. The court of law, yeah, my friend. Yeah, that's how they do that shit. The judge in this case, Henry McKinnon, ruled that the evidence linking Velma to deaths of John Henry Lee, Dolly Edwards, and her mother, Lily Bullard, shall be admitted. Ooh. First, the prosecutor put on both medical personnel and family who testified to the horror of Stuart Taylor's death. Britt also brought out the fact that his life could have been saved had the antidote for arsenic poisoning, mm -hmm. British Antilwhistle, or BAL, been administered. However, to do that, the doctors would have had to been informed that Taylor had been poisoned with arsenic, and the one person who knew that, Velma, did not tell them. Mm -hmm. Defense attorney Jacobson asked doctors about the effects of the various drugs Velma had been taking and their possible interactions with each other. Some of the physicians who testified about treating Stewart had also treated Velma and prescribed medications for her. Their testimony showed that she was on drugs that could have badly impaired her judgment and were certainly addictive. Mm, so pretty much they trying to claim insane the fiend, or whatever The fiend it is. defense, yeah, fiend defense. Put her in an insane asylum. Jacobson put Velma on the stand in her own defense. He knew he was taking an enormous risk in doing so, but felt he had to let her explain her own confused thinking to the jury. She did well on direct examination, saying that she had given her boyfriend poison to make him sick, but not to kill him. She said she didn't tell doctors what she had done because she feared being returned to prison. He also brought out her extensive use of various meds, her combining a wide variety of drugs, and her dependency on them. Mm-hmm. She admitted forging checks because she was addicted to drugs and could not pay for them out of her own limited resources. If it was just one, maybe, just maybe, you could probably argue that. But dude, this, so you tended for all of them to get sick? And not to mention, they wasn't getting sick, they was dying, so you want to try it another time? And did you notice that, she, that person died, or do you want to try it? It's just too many. Yeah. It's too, too many. many. You probably could, she could have got away with the one or one, two. One, one or two. No questions. And like Richard Kuklinski, man, he did it. He did it different ways. I hate to say brilliant. Right after the prosecutor gave a summation to the jury, Velma made a gesture of silent applause, repeatedly putting her hands together without actually clapping. Her attorney and family were certainly crestfallen. Britt was elated. With that single uncalled for sarcasm, he was certain that Velma Barfield had as good as signed her own death warrant. The jury came back with a verdict of guilty of first-degree murder. Then it found the aggravating circumstances to recommend the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Judge McKinnon fixed her punishment at death. Like most states, North Carolina had no death row for women waiting to be executed. When she was sentenced, Velma Barfield was the only female in the state doomed by the law. She was housed in the central prison section for mental cases, especially assault of inmates and prisoners considered prone to escape. Mm -hmm. In her cell, Velma took a final communion. They put on an adult diaper underneath the cotton pajamas in which she had chosen to die. Velma, it's time, she was told. Velma requested and got permission to put a robe on. Then she checked her hair in the mirror and stepped into the hallway. She was taken to the preparation room and asked if she had any last words. She did. I want to say I'm sorry for all the hurt that I have caused. 
I know that everyone has gone through a lot of pain, all the families connected, and I am sorry, and I want to thank everybody who has been supporting me all these six years. I want to thank my family for standing with me through all this, and my attorneys and all those who support me. Everybody, the people with the prison department, I appreciate everything, their kindness and everything that they have shown me in these six years. Then the condemned prisoner was escorted to her gateway to heaven. Mm. That gateway was a tiny, sterile room with a gurney in it. Velma got up on the gurney, then lay flat down on it. Needles connected to IV leads were inserted into her arms. She would receive something to make her go to sleep, then a poison would be administered to stop her heart. She was told by the executioner's Velma, please start counting backwards from 100. Obediently, Velma began 100, 99, 98, and her voice slurred into silence and she started to snore. Her breathing got lighter and lighter with each breath. Then her skin turned ashen gray. The monitor connected to her heart showed a flat line. At 2.15 a.m. on November 2nd, 1984, Velma Barfield, serial murderer and Christian, loving mother (laughs) and killing of her children's father and grandmother, was dead. That's fucked up, man. And that's the story of death row granny Herval. So she ended up getting a a lawyer then? Yeah, she got court appointed. Oh, okay, the public defender. You have to. They weren't going to let her defend herself. No. That that would be bad for her. What do you think, Herb? Was she the, the killing her? Why did she kill the last motherfucker? What did he do to her? I have no idea. He just seemed nice. It seemed like he was cool. He yeah. didn't nag. He didn't say you he got an her, addiction. He brought, he brought her brought to you the to, fancy preacher. You, bro. It's like, like wh- taking her to a wild game for me. That would be like the same thing. Like what did, what did he do to deserve that? It's very rude, Hirsch. At least everybody else, they kind of like, <laughs> kind of got on your nerves. Do you agree you with her shit? punishment? Oh, she should have been put to sleep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Because well. you can't let her out of jail. It's a hot button issue, but I agree with you too. Because she got out of jail, maybe maybe they should have locked her up for the forgeries. She's a bad, bad girlfriend, that's for sure. You're yeah. a bad, bad girl. I was just trying to make him sick. Mm. But for what? With centipede poison. But for what, though? But. Like, what were they doing that you wanted to get them sick? Maybe she liked the attention of, like, you know, being the unfortunate one that bad things happen I'm still, to. I'm still thinking that she killed the other two, too. Yeah, me too, me too, me too. Just not her pop. Her pop's the only one that's that certainly died of lung cancer. Yeah, because they actually said that. And he probably wasn't going in from shitting. Yeah, I think she killed six. All six that they thought she did, I think she did it. Then the houses burnt, so you think that was her to burn down the houses too? Yeah, I don't know. At least once, right? It can't happen four times. Yeah, come on. Serial it just has serial she could definitely have serial killer vibes. Certainly. And well, that's why they put her on that list. Well. Death row granny. And then she tried to plead insane. Well not plead. She tried to plead a junkie. Which is I'm a junkie. Like saying that you're insane. Yeah. Listen, Herball. That's gonna do it for all of us here at the Bumblebutt Podcast yeah. X. X, X. My name has been Adam. That's been Herschel. I appreciate you being here, kiddo. Thanks. Likewise. Well, you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be back with another exciting episode next Sunday. So uh, stay tuned and uh, keep your (laughs) bat antennas. Serial killer vibes. Going. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye.
this shit? Yeah. Not as Rampage. Well, I mean, let's, what do you think Rampage is based on? Hmm, that's true. It's all nested loops, yep. baby. Yep. Godzilla and King Kong. Going to the top of the building, holding the Twinkie, I mean, girl in your hand. Yeah, fucking them girls. <laughs> Did King Kong? Kong. Girls? No, he didn't do that, I guess. He wanted to, and the one with, um, what's the, what's the, what's my guy's name? The King Kong version, which wasn't bad. Jackson Blackson? <laughs> no. Are you talking about Jack Black? No, you know the King Kong version, the King Kong with, uh. Jack Black? No, not with Jack Black. Hold on, was he? I, I'm not sure if he was. A, yeah, he. Yeah. No, one Jack Black and the one with Samuel. Or no, Samuel. I'm getting them all mixed up. No, yeah, no. You're thinking of the Peter Jackson, oh, the Lord new of ones. the Rings one, the new ones. Oh, you're not Samuel thinking Jackson. about those are the new ones, but I'm thinking about the old one. Yeah, with Jack Black. Yeah, but Jack Black was in it, and what's the other dude? The play. Uh, in? Jack Black. No, it's another dude that was in this. That's pretty cool. Um. Probably Jack, Jack Black. Black. No, I don't know. I have no idea. Fucking asshole. I saw Peter. I know that it was Peter Jackson who made the Lord of the Rings movies. He mm. made the King Kong movie. Um, I remember there was a star-studded cast, and I did go see it when it came out, but I didn't really like it that much. Mm. I thought it was about an hour too long. It would have been so it was like two hours in. Yeah, that would have been a better movie if it was two hours instead of like three thirty. I'm going to go see that new James Bond, though, again, yeah. finally. You should check this shit out and let me know. Last week got hectic. But, do you know what? 2005 version of the... Oh, Adrian Brody. Oh, Big Nose. Yeah. Big Nose Brodes. Hook Nose Brody. Why didn't you say <laughs> Hook Nose? Because <laughs> I don't call him that. He does have a certain kind of nose. Well, he's Jewish. But... Oh, so you think Jewish guys get those kind of nose? Yes, it's a huge racial stereotype. Hmm, I know? guess I never knew that. You hook nose heeb. People would I, say that I never knew that, bro. Well, there you go. Now you know how to be racist. Thank you for telling me. Congratulations. No, thank you for telling Welcome me. to the club. To welcome you to the club. God damn. Welcome to the tribe. Oops, that's racist. But it is. Hey, but it is. Like, you don't want to say something. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of... Uh, this is actually a supplemental episode, and this will be called mm. Bumblebutt Podcast X. Mm-hmm. X, X. Halloween. Oh, special editions with supplement. ghouls and goblins. Yeah. Goblins and ghouls. It's like Charlie Brown and the Big Pumpkin or something. Womp, 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 All right. We gotta go, uh, fuck around kick some footballs, and hear about some, uh, maybe some ghosts or something. Do you want to learn mm, about some some no. ghosts? I don't want to learn about them. Yeah, well, I, we I, t- <laughs> I'm actually not going to teach you anything yeah. about them either. Yeah. What I'm going to do is read some Reddit ghost stories. All right, cool. I'm down. Yeah. So we'll just see how this goes. Hell yeah. Bumblebutt Podcast X, motherfuckers. Ghouls and goblins. Hobgoblin. What we got on the docket? Zombies, man. Zombies, ghouls, and goblins. We are supposed to be carving pumpkins today. Or doing something with some goddamn pumpkins today. You gonna do it? I mean, you and the family gonna you go know gut what? some pumpkins? With me, with the kids, a lot of the times, I act like I don't want to do it. Yeah. The day where they start doing it, I'll be like, man, move over! Yeah, let me get in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have fun doing it. That's probably, I think that might be a male thing. Yeah, <laughs> you think so? A father type thing. Mm-hmm. 
This is a camping story, mm. and it comes from uh, an Ask Reddit thread from three years ago from user More Napkins Pliz. More Napkins Pliz. Shouts out, baby. He says, I've posted this on my other account, but I'm not going to investigate to find out what yeah. his other account no, was. I don't care. We just need the uh, story. Could have been his, like, porno account. A lot of times people have two accounts, to mm, yeah, One put- for looking at bitches, and then one for... Mm-hmm posting dicks yeah well that's probably the same account looking at bitches and posting dicks dicks. okay the scariest thing i've had happen is while camping so i live in eastern oregon oops i'll get yelled at you're supposed to say oregon hey eastern oregon it sounds good it's not oregon origami it's oregon so I live in Eastern Oregon, and my mom lives in Western Oregon. Mm-hmm. I went to visit her for the summer, and she's very outdoorsy, so we decided to take the one-hour drive from her city to the coast. Mm. So we end up at this free campsite at the top of the hill, and we were the only campers there. We relaxed for the rest of the day, made food, etc. Okay. A truck full of men drive up the hill and talk with my mom. Okay. IDK, what about? I wasn't suspicious at the time. And then they leave. Fast forward to the middle of the night. I wake up to my mom sitting straight up in the tent. I woke easily, so I heard her gasp, and it woke me up. As soon as she saw I was awake, she put her hand over my mouth because I was starting to ask her what's wrong. It was dead silent, and all of a sudden you hear footsteps right beside the tent. The little flap that covers the zipper was moving. Thankfully, my mom has quick wits and said very loudly, Kenny got the pistol. Kenny grabbed the gun. Yeah! (laughs) Kenny is my dad, although that doesn't matter, and mind you, he wasn't even there. Just yeah. us girls. Yeah. They left. No harm done. Hell Thank yeah. the Lord for mama. On the real. That's Look, scary. Dude, that's an open end. I love those stories. Yeah. Not like these movies and shit. Yeah. Let's go investigate. Nah, let's just get this motherfucking gun. Like the uh, that commercial for car insurance where they're like, why can't we get in the moving car? Oh, yeah, let's go, no, let's let's go, go hide, hide by the, the, the fucking chainsaws that's yeah. hanging. Then he's right next to him. <laughs> yeah. And then he turns around for making burgers or whatever he's doing. Yeah. He didn't even have to hunt these kids. Yeah. <laughs> fucking idiots. Well, shouts out to uh, my boy. Eastern same. Oregon. That's some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Bray whipped the motherfucking gun out, dude. That's what you got to do, man. Even if you don't got a gun, you got to fake like you got that money. You better go under the seat. Oh, you gotta gotta say it. Oh, I got something for you. Yeah, I got the heater right here. Yeah, say something. You gotta do. You gotta say something. Home invasion it. and like kidnapping and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. true horror. Mm-hmm. That's true horror. When somebody is in your home where they're not supposed to be, mm-hmm. it's terrifying. It is. Even the police, I would be terrified. Yeah, if you didn't know who they were, or if you knew who they were. Even both, mm-hmm. all, all of the above. Check, check, check. Mm-hmm. The boxes are checked. I don't like it. Stay out of my house. Stay out of my tent. Mm. I wonder who was that at the tent, though. You think it was those? It was those dudes. Their... Yeah. Okay. They I... were here for a little gang raping. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> they couldn't just bring cakes, pies, and cookies over? Yeah, at a campsite. Yeah, they were like, hey, we were one over, and we had our oven hooked up. Yeah. <laughs> Cooked you some cookies and pies. <laughs> we had a wind turbine and shit that it was hooked up to. <laughs> nice wind energy mm-hmm. oven. <laughs> That's funny. This next story comes from Infinite Space Goat. Infinite Space Goat, shout out. On Reddit. Now, keep in mind, nobody sent these to us. This yeah, is we just should be reading. Yeah. But we might as well give credit. Yeah, where credit, credit is due. Is due. Absolutely. 
Last year, I was dog-sitting for my parents while they were on holiday. They live in a very rural countryside village in an old barn conversion, and I hate staying there by myself. A bit. So about 10 days into house-sitting, I wake up at 4 a.m., hear something moving downstairs mm-hmm. thinking i had somehow gone to bed and left the tv on i went down to the lounge but the tv was off very confused at this point i wandered into the hall looking for the source of the sound yeah. both the dogs were sat very alertly outside the office door then i saw that light was coming from behind the office i have absolutely no explanation for what happened that night the computer in the office is my brother's he had been sailing in europe for two months prior mm-hmm His computer was always password protected. However, on this night, the computer was on, unlocked, and the noise I could hear was a YouTube video about Soviet experiments of dog head transplants. Damn! I worked from home the next day as I was so scared I'd come home to find my dog's heads had been switched. That's the end of the story. I'm sorry, I I, I can't believe that. You don't believe that one? That the heads were switched? No, nobody... No, he said he worked from home because he was terrified that his dog's heads would be switched if he oh, went okay. to the office. Okay, I get it. My bad. I but, thought he said, I don't know why I thought he said he came home to see his dog's head <laughs> switched. I, like, I don't believe that old fucking um, J- Jimmy Neutron shit. That but no, yeah, that might have been a better sense. story. But yeah. That makes sense, though. I wouldn't go to. Oh, they coming with me. Yeah, I just got to sit in this. Bring your dog to work day. Hey, with the windows up, the tent goes up to the mid eighties. Call them in, ladies. You gonna have Sorry, to be doc, in that car. Being crazy. You got to sit the dogs in that car, man. In a way that you can save me. It's okay. Go with him, Herschel. Mm-hmm. Da-da. Them dogs got to put some water in there or something. Mm-hmm. Damn, Soviet fucking. Some ghost was <laughs> looking up, or maybe it was a Soviet doctor. A disgraced Soviet doctor was uh, trying to look at YouTube and see his old experiments. Mm. And he saw there was two dogs in the house. Yeah, because he, he said they was alert. I'm going to do some ghost dog experience. So it seemed like they was looking out for him. Yeah, and themselves, hopefully. Because mm. they were the ones that were about to get decapitated yeah. and rewired into another dog. Well, how long has he been staying there? He didn't say. That no, he didn't say. And his brother was sailing around. Oh, yeah, it was his parents' house. So I assume they've had the place for a while. And it was and, a barn conversion. And that was the first time that ever happened. Yeah, yeah. No other Soviet dogs head-switching experiments had ever been seen. You know me, I like to do this shit when something weird happens. Mm. And I like to do, like... You gotta break it down. Yeah, you sometimes yeah. you gotta be like, well, what's the reason that this yeah. could happen first? It's called an investigative yeah, mind. A, yeah, logical explanation. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know... You know, Maybe the dogs yeah. were looking up dog content, and then it just, like, auto-played. Mm-hmm. It was like, you like stuff about dogs, so watch this documentary about dog heads. Because I know, just recently, you know, control these lights. Mm-hmm. So it could have been anything. Any signal, somebody riding past, or something like that. Definitely. And, they, and it just, you know, because my, my shit is right kind of next to the window. It's not always a ghost. No, exactly. It's some mm-hmm. logical shit going mm-hmm. on. And, it, and plus, LED lights, they be so cheap, man. Shit just happens. Yeah, they're they're all from Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. They're all from Central Forge, China. Yeah, so. I agree. I slept well that night. That's all that matters, really. I'll tell you what. Last night, I thought I fell asleep with my ear pods in. I know, that scared the shit out of you. And then I woke up and looked beside my bed, and they were both in the charging case. So I don't know. That I think that was you that did that. Yeah. I don't think it was <laughs> a helpful ghost. Subconsciously, because you know you're paying that bread. Yeah. Yeah. If you pay it, you yeah. break it, you buy it. Yeah. So you like, uh-uh. 
I don't want to lose them. I don't want to fucking break them. Yeah. So let me just. Well, that's. Re- I mean, that really is a scary thought. Oh my god. It is. Do you know they have like little alarms on them, so they'll make like a loud ass noise if, if you're you looking lose them? for them. Yeah. yeah, I just found that out with my beats. Oh, you got that on there too. Yeah, that's fucking tight. They were in a trash can at work. No, Adam, already? I think my one of my coworkers is hated uh, on you. I think he thought it was an earplug because I had it on the uh, on the toolbox, mm. and he fucking threw it away. Please don't tell me you dug into him. No, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't even bring it up. I didn't even bring it up because I knew it wasn't on purpose. You a good dude, a bomb. The problem is Herschel. I'm, I have too much empathy. That's the problem. You're a good dude, A-Bomb, when you want to be. You you definitely know how to tay digs. I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've tayed in Stefan yeah. before. Yeah. You definitely know how to tay digs. <laughs> it's funny to me. <laughs> but everybody can't take it. No. That's because it's brutal. It's funny. <laughs> oh, man, I almost clicked on the wrong one. What was about uh, Pornhub? It was one we already read. Well, that's why I call Reddit. <laughs> this next one comes from just underscore another underscore. What he said. Just out. another gamer says, oh, okay. I have had several dreams similar to what I am posting. Mm. I've been a caver in Florida for about 13 years mm. since I was six and have been to a lot of caves. Red flags already. Yeah, because of Austin. Never been afraid before this to go in one. When I was about seven or eight years old, I started having this reoccurring dream. I would have it at least twice a year, always the same. <coughs> because I was... <laughs> that shit's funny to me. That's why I said it. I didn't even think about that, though. Yeah, like, what, is he, what the fuck is he talking about? But I'm yeah. like, yeah, I, I get it. Boom. Yeah. See, I'm like a rapper. Mm-hmm. Drop that shit and move on. When I was about seven or eight years old, I started having this reoccurring dream. I would have it twice a year, always the same, even though I would realize I was dreaming after the first few times it happened. Mm -hmm. I would fall asleep and dream of being in a cave and going into this little hole in the bottom. Inside, I would see a 10 to 15 foot long corridor about two to four feet high. At the end, it would always turn left, and I always saw a bent red stop sign at the end, like someone ripped off the top two feet and tossed it in. I was all, but I would always follow the corridor. Mm. I would turn and walk past the sign despite being scared, despite many times knowing what was there, and the corridor would start descending, quickly opening up into a large vertical chamber with the path leading down in a corkscrew. Mm. Everything became blurry at this point, but it was always the same. I saw trash scattered on the walls. I saw the pit leading down to a curved floor. I saw things, undefined animals or people or something else at the bottom. And I saw my family, each with one of the things being tortured and killed. Mm. Every time. And I could never do anything. After I saw that, I would be stuck for a few seconds until I felt more and saw everything turn and look at me. And I would wake up. Not like a normal dream where you just drift to consciousness or a nightmare where you bolt up in fear. Mm. But like something pushed me out like I wasn't supposed to be seeing this. Mm-hmm. So I have this dream multiple times a year until I turn 15. I did tell a friend about the dream before what happens next. Mm. My father decided to take us to some caves we'd never been to before. Mm-hmm. One of which was called Dog Drop. It was likely named so because someone either threw their pet in there or a coyote fell in and the body was later discovered. 
Dog yeah. Drop had a roughly 30-foot drop straight down to enter. Mm -hmm. I went down with my brother while my father waited up at the top. There was a hole in the ground. I started to feel uneasy, though I didn't know why, so I followed my brother into the hole. I felt worse as I moved down. And when I looked up, I saw the same corridor, the same left turn, the same wall, the same trash, and I instantly was hit with this overwhelming sense of nausea and fear being watched, and everything was screaming at me to leave. Yeah. I froze and must have made some noise because my brother turned around and asked what was wrong. You should leave, bro. I managed to say I wanted to boogie Ooh. and climbed out as quickly as I could, followed by my brother. We packed up and left. Never have gone back hey. and never will. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? The oh. thing that makes it really creepy for me is I have never had the dream again. Year after year, I would have it consistently, but it just stopped after that. My man's. That's uh. I guess it, when, it, when it was time to be smart, you were smart instead of being dumb in a dream. You know what I'm saying? When it came, to, I don't know. You know, it's like a test run. We gonna do this test run? Yeah. If we gonna set you up for this real life shit, then when it happens, see, and the thing is, we saying you a bitch to your brothers is hard to do. So that motherfucker really had to been scared. Yeah, the book to just run away. Well, yeah, tell your brother. He's like, "What's wrong, bro? We gotta go. Yeah. Why, bro? Please." Well, it's it, it won't make sense to you right now, but there's a bunch of interdimensional beings yeah. right around that left turn mm -hmm. that are going to eviscerate you, and mm -hmm. then soon eviscerate me. So we we gotta go, bro. Yeah, I, I wish I could explain this to you later, but you you forced the issue, brother. So. And what was it called? Dog drop. Dog drop. Yeah. Do and I'm pretty sure it's called dog drop because somebody some tossed a dog, dog over there. Yeah, and they probably Thirty foot down. And they probably wanted to switch the narrative because they ain't want copycats. Yeah. No, because a coyote failed. Then why the fuck would you call mm. it coyote mm -hmm. drop? Yeah. It, coyote it, falls. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'd call it. Yeah. That, that's actually tight. Yeah. I call it taco falls. Yeah. That's we a guy, a, right? Yeah. Throw a bunch of tacos down a fucking cliff. Or him. I only know his name because Jared Goff said it in that ESPN commercial. It's, oh, Taco Bell, he's a big, tall motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Who's he play for? He's, I know he got, um, he's with Boston, but I know he moved on from there. He's um, moved? He's moved on? Yeah, he's moved on. I wish I was in a fantasy basketball league again, because I liked that shit. Yeah, it was crazy, man, because I like that, too. You could just get rid of players. That was awesome. It did is nice to know that the bums that you thought was bums, not like, dude, these are really not bums. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Marcus Smart, except when he could stay healthy. Yeah, and, and, and that's good too because you know who stays healthy. It helps you know it's the NBA. Like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like this dude's injury prone. This dude's gonna get assists because you have to know them stats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's that baby? Do, 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 do. Yes, I do. Who's that baby? Oh man, it's impossible to find these. You said it's impossible to find these, my Vegas. That's interesting though about the the dog drop though. These motherfuckers are smart, man. I I was thinking some whole I've been thinking movie shit this whole time. But I guess it wouldn't be movie shit because these motherfuckers are living to tell it. Living to tell the schmale. So I guess all these motherfuckers would probably end up smart. Yeah. Or broken and, and mentally destroyed. Let's go mentally destroyed. This next uh, re 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 story comes from Redditor <laughs> TidyWhitey's37. TidyWhitey37. Shout out, baby. 
I lived in an old apartment in 02. The place was built in 1900, so it was just over 100 years old when I moved in. Mm -hmm. The living room and kitchen were fine, but the bathroom and bedroom were unnerving. Like, I always felt I was being watched, especially in the bedroom, if the mm. closet door was open. Those unnerving feelings just became moderately uncomfortable as I settled in. Mm -hmm. I felt safe in the bedroom, but only if the door was locked. One night I was dead asleep when there was a loud bang on my bedroom door. When I got up the courage to get out of bed, I checked the apartment. All the windows were closed and latched from the inside. The door still had the chain on it. No one was in there. Yeah, that's great. I mentioned the closet in the bedroom. I never liked going in there, and I never liked if the door was open. For some reason in my head, I would hear gasping noises. So for that reason, the closet stayed closed. On the real. A month or more after I was woken to the bang on my door, I was dead asleep. Something woke me up, and it was a pressure on me like I was being held down. Mm. It was pitch black in my room. I couldn't see anything, but I knew someone was standing over me. When I could finally turn on a bedside lamp, no one was there. After then, I could not sleep in the dark. I had to sleep with the lamp on. This incident scared the life out of me, and after that, the unnerving feeling of being watched intensified. Friends would come over and comment about being uncomfortable in the bathroom like they were being watched. It became so uncomfortable for me, when I had the chance to move to another unit, I jumped on it. I packed yeah, yeah. up and got yeah, out. Fuck out of there, bro. After me, several people rented the apartment, and they would move out within months. I became friendly with the building manager, and I told him I felt that the place was haunted, and he just laughed it off. Years later, they oh. were renovating the place. The building manager was doing some painting in there, and the building owner was in there, too. I went and checked out the unit, and it looked nicer and didn't feel as creepy. I got to talking with the building owner, and through the course of conversation, he just throws it out there that a former tenant committed suicide in the closet by hanging themselves. Damn. He also mentioned that the original designer of the building lived in that same unit and died in there. I wasn't mad when I heard that, but felt validated that what I experienced was real. Mm. You know what it came to mind? You ever seen that movie, uh, I don't know if it's the, right, the Boy, I think? I think when the motherfucker, somebody was in the motherfucking walls and shit. The Omen? No, nah, he wasn't. The Omen, no. he wasn't in the walls. No. It was somebody in the walls. The and it Boy? Was like, yeah, it was like a doll. And he was like, yeah, you got to take care of this oh, dog. Oh, Brahms the, Brahms the boy? Brahms I, the I boy? I thought it was called the boy. I think it is, yeah, but it's called but Brahms. Brahms. Oh, okay. Brahms the boy the, the, and Brahms the boy too. Yeah, there you go. It was a two. I yeah. didn't know it was. Oh, I didn't know that. that, that was, I thought it well, was. Well, I thought that was like the stupidest name for a movie that I remembered it my whole ever since it's been out. I even named an old Between the Bumbles after it. Oh. Like Between the Bumbles, Bumbles the boy too or but something But that's like what that. my mind went to. Okay. I don't like scary dolls. Well, just the whole thing. It wasn't really the doll. It was the, the person in a... It was somebody living in the walls. It wasn't the doll. Oh, the boy didn't really have much to do with it? Yeah, there was somebody in the wall. That's stupid. It was... The, the, whoever that boy was created that... Either way, I don't like dolls. Either way, either way, I don't like dolls. They're creepy. I don't... I don't know. Chucky. Chucky, too? They look so... Chucky's fine! I didn't like uh, the Goosebump one. The dummy, Alfred E. Uh, Newman. Dude, that wasn't even scary. Scared the shit out of me. I hate I, animatronics. I get, it. I get it, but just not, it wasn't that scary. You like, know, people say it wasn't scary. But you, know small, you know Small World? Dude, Sounds when we amazing. watched it at your house, you were laughing the whole time. Well, no, not that bullshit. 
the nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Wow. That shit scared me, bro. The nineteen ninety one scared the shit out of me, bro. And you just watched it? No, oh, I okay. seen it back when okay, I was okay, okay. <laughs> probably not too long after it came out. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Hey, Georgie. Oof. Dude, that shit scared the shit out of me, bro. For at least like a couple days. Yeah. That was the Goosebump episode. I saw that and I was shitting myself. But Goosebumps? I was four. Do, 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 Listen, that do, scared do, 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 me too. Do, 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 do. And the Are You Afraid of the Dark theme song. Oh, Are You Afraid of the Dark me. was kind of. That was scary. Yeah. You I give it to like, you with that. You didn't get resolution like you did with Goosebumps. Like, you're right. supposed to be like, and they the kids went back to normal. Are You Afraid of the Dark is nope. like, that kid's probably in a di- another dimension. Yep, he's missing. Yep, forever. Next story. That's no good. What about the Crypt Keeper? Oh, I didn't like Crypt Keeper at all. I didn't mind the Crypt Keeper. Tales from the Crypt, I didn't like him. Did you see the one that he did with the Crazy 8? It was like more of a black adaptation of Tales from the Crypt. It was like a bunch of... They had dolls on there, too. No, but that sounds awesome. You should... Maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. You might not like it. I would check it out. Because horror is a little different for me, man. Sometimes the movie... I don't know. It doesn't matter always on a movie if it's horror. I showed you Hereditary, right? Hereditary was good. That shit was cold. It was good. It was mm-hmm. like scary, but it was like psychological. Some, yeah, something else, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shit fucked me up for mm-hmm. like a month. Kylie too. Like yeah. she's like she she's like she works alone at her, like the CBD lab or whatever. Yeah. And she kept thinking that the lady was crawling on the walls. Yeah, was going to be shit. banging her head on the fucking... Yeah, I didn't think that far to it. But it fucked me up, just the mind point of it. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking, like... That guy makes good movies. Did you watch Midsummer? You you keep telling me about that, and I told you. If it's anything like Hereditary, you probably can't fuck with it, bro. Just too scary? I mean, dude, those mind fucks, bro. And this is... I mean, Midsummer is even more of a mind fuck. Because it's about, like, altered consciousness and drugs and... Yeah, I can't do my fucks. Eventually, I see it, man. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Hereditary, ten out of ten, perfect movie. But definitely, it took me now to mention the name and not think some of the, like I pretty much forgot about a lot of the stuff that happened in a movie. But mm-hmm. Hereditary is really good. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I did forget about a lot of stuff that I remember a lot of stuff that happened in that. It was movie. just buried. It was yeah, just dormant. Especially with the, they they uh, consecrated. Am I saying it right? Desecrated the her gravesite. <laughs> no, am I saying it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then she was up there in the yeah, uh, bro. rotting away. Bro, and that was all a part of the plot and shit. <laughs> Those scheming motherfuckers. So good. But she wanted it like that, too, the She grandmother. wanted it. That was her intention. Plan yeah. To bring back the, the devil. Bring back Paimon. Yeah. Crazy, bro. Oh, so cool. I mean, they don't make movies like that any, like at all, ever. At all. And that's a newer movie, too, though. 2016, I think? Yeah. I would say that's a newer movie. That's fire. That movie's fire. That movie's 10 out of 10 for me, for sure. Mm. Favorite horror movie, verging on favorite movie. Just because Mm-mm. there's no stopping points in the movie. That shit is a And you ride. just grading that favorite of just how, how it, the actual storyline went. Best shots. Yeah. Best story. Storyline. Good the- effects. Theatrical. Yeah, not see with horror movies. Crazy. I go off, man. That shit scared the shit out of me, and also scared the shit out of me. Yeah. yeah, made me think. Scared the shit out of me. That's a great movie. But I will say it scared the shit out of me more, maybe because I was the a kid, miniseries. Though. You gotta keep saying the miniseries because people are gonna oh, think okay. you're talking about the, those whack the, ass the, movies. The recent ones. Yeah. Come on, man. The Stephen King. Can I just say Stephen King version? No, because they're both Stephen King's it. Um, <laughs> they're based of on course. the book. Yeah, he wouldn't let you get away with that shit. That's <laughs> He's got to get paid. Yeah, he wouldn't let you get away with that shit. 
So I fucking miniseries it scared the shit out of me. The, yeah. the, with the boy they had in the yeah. movie Ladybugs with mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield. Ladybugs, yeah. yeah. And I like Ladybugs. That's too, a good man. one Rodney too. Rodney Dangerfield's a fucking beast. These... Hey, hey, what do you mean? <laughs> no respect. He should have gotten an Oscar for Natural Born Killers though, because he was so fucking gross. I think he was thing. probably one of the motherfuckers that their people didn't like. This next one is uh, from Dick Rubnuts. Dick Rub. Shout out to man, Dick Rubnuts, man. When my grandparents bought their house for a family of ten, my grandpa found a fake wall upstairs. He tore it down to make room for the family. Behind the wall were children's clothes and play toys, almost mm. like they walked off the room in a almost like they walled off the room in a hurry. My mom told me stories of sitting in her room and something circling the walls around her, sounding like wallpaper being torn. Mm. When she moved out, my mom, my aunt moved into the same room. Mm-hmm. She would wake up with pictures she hung up laying on her chest in the morning. My cousins also have stories of hearing footsteps coming up the stairs and stopping outside their door in the middle of the night. I mm. still don't go up there in that house because it's always cold and I get bad vibes. <sighs> Even in my adult life, I have scary dreams that take place in there upstairs. Alright. Unleashing shit. Dude, you gotta you gotta think, man. Unleashing shit, going into caves and shit. That shit breaks shit on you, man. Oh, yeah. There are certain places that shouldn't be disturbed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are there are unholy places that may, may touch touch over with another dimension mm. even motherfuckers actually recently you know how like let's say people somebody get killed new york and you know they got the memorials right there mm. and then you got people fucking up the memorials mm. even that motherfuckers like man you shouldn't even do that you mean the george floyd that was well no nah, nah, not even that week? not even that I yeah actually yes that but i'm not talking about that though mm. i'm talking about just how they had a memorial with the candles and shit. Like, no, nah, you're supposed to be messing with that shit, bro. Mm-hmm. And I, when he said that, I'm like, you know what? I agree with that, mm-hmm. bro. Because you don't know what kind of shit that people pray over that kind of stuff. If you're, I mean, think about if you kick over like a Santeria candle. You're going to get macheted. E- easily. Mm-hmm. What, just by the person that's uh, or set it out? Or by Papa Legba or whatever Santeria demons mm-hmm. are out there. Oh, okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't mess with... That's the only magic I think might be real. But I also think it's all about malicious intent. Yeah, oh, yeah. Those guys are angry. Yeah. And they put their... Like, if you, like if you just, bad... just happen to knock it over on accident, I don't think nothing happens. No, I don't think so. But Because you, you know in your mind what you're doing, bro. And that's what fucks people up. I got big clumsy feet. I've kicked a lot of shit over on accident. You better pick it up and be like, man, I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry, it's an idiot. Yes. I'm sorry to anyone. Yeah. Anyone I offended here. Yeah. Sometimes all you gotta do is just apologize. Yeah. You ever seen that movie uh, Unhinged, I think, Mm -mm. with uh, Russell Crowe? Mm-mm. It wasn't really all that, but, you know. That that was the whole thing to me. He was, uh, he's one motherfucker wanted the bitch to apologize. But look, I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it alone. I'll let you see that movie. How old is it? It's recent. Okay. Well, I'll check it out. Russell Crowe, I don't mind him. It's, yeah, it's definitely a fat Russell Crowe. That's just all he does now. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a ripped version anymore. <laughs> I think the Gladiator is, 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 over. is long behind us. Yeah. yeah. What, what did he do after that? Did he, he was ripped. Uh, when did American Gangster come out? Because he was definitely fat Russell Crowe yeah, in that one. Yeah. And that was like 06. That was a good movie. It was one of my favorites. Yeah, no. It's like a black Scorsese movie. This next one comes from the other side of the pond. 
uh, from that silly little island called Britain. <laughs> this fellow's name is The Lucky Cynic on Reddit. While at college, my friends and I ran out of booze. Mm. Hardly any stores were open because it was so late, so the nearest and only option was to walk the mile or so to the nearest 24-hour supermarket. I did some goofy shit like that before. You got to. I definitely went to... If you're already half drunk and you want to get full drunk, you got to go get it. I definitely went to Wisconsin to get some liquor. Yeah. On Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... Did you look around actually, in the parking lot? Because it was all Minnesota plates there with you. You would have seen me there, too. I think I, think I actually went there on a non-Sunday where they just cloud the clothes. Wait, no, nah, that don't make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Because they still close kind of early here, right? Because yeah. they close at midnight. You can get booze sales till midnight, yeah. And you can just go to any gas station and get beer, too, if you wanted, yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for telling me that. For sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, now it doesn't matter. Uh, you still can't well, get still booze or beer late. in in grocery stores here you can't get that because i think what happened was the liquor store closed at like seven or six and then i'm like damn then i had to go up to wisconsin go over to hudson yeah between the supermarket and the dorms we lived in was just row after row Mm -hmm. of suburban homes which all Mm -hmm. looked the same as we were walking down one road we passed a field with a large campfire and some people riding horses around it Mm-hmm. There were people playing musical instruments and general sounds of merriment. The horses and fire and the lanterns which were dotted about gave it a very old-fashioned feeling. Hmm. Maybe five minutes after passing the field, now walking past houses again, one of my friends commented on how weird and out of place that gathering of people had been. My other friend and I had been thinking exactly the same thing. So, curious, we turned around and walked back to find out what the hell was going on. There was nothing there. Not just no people or horses, there was no field, just more and more houses. Hmm. Even though we were absolutely certain we were on the right road and we simply turned around, we walked up and down the neighboring roads as well and found nothing. We weren't drunk, though we'd had some drinks, so I've got absolutely no idea what happened that night. (laughs) He he was laced. It sounds like a trans-dimensional gypsy party came and took over a field of suburban homes for a while and turned it t- disappeared all the fields maybe it was like a time bend maybe yeah. two two times were happening and they somehow switched over so maybe in a gypsy festival in the middle of a field there mm-hmm. was now a block of modern suburban homes and those people were walking by going what the fuck is that yeah cause I have no explanation I can't tell you. There's magic fields sprouting out of nowhere and then turning into houses is some scary shit. Do you believe this story? I don't know. Okay. I have no reason not to. <laughs> I mean, it's Reddit. It's all lies on Reddit. <laughs> I guess you can't... Yeah. It's all lies. Yeah. What do you think? Would you go to the gypsy party? I would have stopped right away. Man, I'm a big And believer. said, why are you riding horses around the middle of this field? I'm a big believer, man. If you don't know what the fuck's going on, bro, don't either talk about it, don't don't go to it, don't dabble in it. Yeah, but I, sometimes I don't even... Don't think about it. Mm-hmm. But I do the same thing. If I see something weird in the sky, I'm just like, I didn't. I didn't. It was just a floaty in my vision. I didn't see nothing. Did you, have you ever thought you seen something in the sky? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I seen a big ball... Over there, a big silver ball a couple blocks over at a park. It started out the size of a baseball, 
and I thought it was flying right at my head. But I think what actually happened is it got super huge and then collapsed back down to nothing, like a portal or something. Mm. But I thought it was coming right at, like, basically I thought it was going to hit me right in the nose, like right behind, right between the eyes. But I think the scale just got huge. I think it, like, blew up and then went back down. Mm. I didn't like that. That kept me awake for a while. And what, this is, what time of day was that? Nighttime. Mm. Like, I was leaving, I used to go over to this kid's house all the time, like, yeah. from 7th grade to 12th grade and beyond and he only lived like a block and a half away and we would play games and then i would walk home at like midnight every night that's crazy man. it was scary but i thought i told myself it didn't exist and it didn't happen for a very long time Until but now. i think it might have happened yeah because there's a lot more people saying shit happens mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. ain't that the truth but how can we believe and not believe are we the non-believers or the believers we can just say that we don't know we don't have any answers. Definitely don't. So I have no fucking idea. Because I know I've been... I think, I think I heard some stories about the army jets and shit. That's why I'm not an atheist shit. anymore. I'm an agnostic. Because anything could be possible. I have no fucking idea. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think it's a big beardy guy in the in the clouds. Maybe not. Maybe not. It could be... Maybe not. Because I think ghosts and aliens are the same thing. I think they're the same kind of creature. And I think Bigfoot is one, too. So you, the big, you think the Bigfoot exists? Yeah. What about Loch Ness? Loch Ness, no. And a lot of those lake ones, no. Because we figured out how to, like, sonar map lakes, and they're super not in there. So. Okay. Like, ocean monsters, sure. Ocean's ocean big. monsters? Oh, there's ocean Kraken? You ever heard of a Kraken yeah. before? That's an ocean monster. So you think that might exist? Ocean big. It is. Ocean and- big. And there you is small. <laughs> you small ocean big, and there's that's where all of the undiscovered species still are. It's basically it is, another right? planet down there. Right. That that definitely does terrify me. Yeah. Water, fuck body, the ocean, dude. Like when people are like, I'm gonna go swimming. The first thought in my mind is like open water, sharks, dead bodies. <laughs> just like it's like fuck and then but then i see the pictures i see the pictures i'm like oh hey you swimming something hit your fucking shark oh that's just a dead Uh, body corpse yeah that's crazy but there's a billion dead bodies in the ocean you know there is there has to be yeah it is it's a perfect you go dump people in the ocean just like out in nevada there's a billion people buried in the desert i guarantee it (coughs) that's what used to kill them doing the slave trade yeah and the pirate trade yeah, and, uh, there you go. It's a bunch of dead bodies. Just just shipwrecks. And that's the ones that we made. Plane of. crashes. Yeah. Not even just like... And think about before we had ships. When these idiots were had like wooden boats. And they were like, let's see how far we can go. We're dead. We're, we're fucking fucked. Fuck the ocean. In a USS Indianapolis. Just like the USS Indianapolis. They burned. Yeah, and then the rest of them get not the rest of them, but a lot of them get eaten by tiger sharks. sharked. Yeah, yeah, I hold that truth to be self-evident, my friend. That's crazy too. That motherfucker ended up killing himself. The let's, sergeant we'll, of the boat. Let's, we'll just stay on the land, all right? Hey, my bad. Yeah, let's stay on this shit. We're meant Goals. to be. No, we'll stay on the land. Oh. That's where we'll stay. Yeah. We're meant to be on the land. We're not aquatic apes. <laughs> I mean, look. I'm not gonna go on there. What about cruises? You don't want to do cruises? No, man. No. So a hunted cruise would be even worse. Never a cruise, because I don't want to get locked. A real horror story is getting fucking quarantined on a on a sh- on a cruise ship. Which would ha- which, which happened? Yeah. Those people were on there for months. 
Damn, months? I ain't know he was on there for months. How like, long did it take to like check him? poop running down the walls and shit. Well, there was no goddamn test for a while. Remember when there was no test for COVID for a while? That's like, you can't hold people hostage. In Italy, like, like, that shit ravaged through Italy. I remember, yeah, I remember that. that. New motherfuckers had to stay in their crib. This next one comes from Obi Meme Kenobi. Obi Meme Kenobi, my dude. Back when I was a kid, my grandma had a really close friend who used to help her babysit. Mm -hmm. One day, she went missing. Family doesn't know where she is, and we don't know either. About a week later, police find her body in a dumpster. She had been dead for about five days. She had been mugged and had several stab wounds. Mm. Incredibly tragic. Here's the spooky story. A few days just before she was found, my three cousins swore they saw her walking around in the backyard and knocking on the window. Mm. The following day had search going through the area. It wasn't until the body was found that we realized what they saw couldn't be true according to the police timeline, right. but they swore it was her. Hmm. That's, uh, that's, uh, there you go. It, so, it was funny to me how he says, the spooky part, hold on, wait, this, you don't think the stabbing? Is it? That wasn't spooky? It's not spooky yeah, enough, I mean, man. I, I mean, it's, I guess it's not, but I would think it is like, damn, motherfucker. Just the fact that somebody could get to you like that yeah, is kind of spooky, bro. That's real life horror. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the spooky part. That that's was actually cool. Part. This bitch was walking around. Like, we did the first part, but this we didn't have nothing to do with the bitch knocking on windows. Well, Herschel, the rest of those are terrible. <laughs> he I said, where are you? Hey, you probably go hit a phone. <laughs> Little <laughs> Herschel, the rest of those are yeah. a real travesty, a real pile of shit. Well, a no. real bunch of like amateur writers trying to uh flex their fingers. No, bro. This what we needed though. We needed something levitous. Yeah, right? uh, what's what does that mean, bro? Something Put us on light. Okay, levitus. Something Leviticus. Something something Archibald Leviticus. Le <laughs> Some Levitus. I realized and also, Kylie told me mm -hmm. that I've uh, been doing a lot of strangling maniacs. We needed something a little bit uh, punchier, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. So what I think I'm going to do... But that's what we always do, even before the, the X. 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 What I think I'm going to do is tack this on to last week's episode that I never put out. Okay. So this will be like a long-ass Halloween special <laughs> yeah it should be if my math is correct it should be about or a little over two hours mm. so i think that'll be fun Herschel, do you have any haunted ghost stories you know what i don't because again i can't i talk everything up to the wind which it could be and everything what about in shy town no unexplained i will say this though bro no i don't have any stories but all the violence that won't scare me Shit like this, that would scare me. The dark. Who 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 had that saying? The man don't may not be scared until he's in the dark or something like that. Ooh, Batman, wasn't it? Yeah, that sounds right. Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, that's the League of Shadows. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's what he said. Like, and that's true. The violence and shit might not scare you, bro. It's the you, unexplained yeah, and your own thoughts and shit. And it's yes. like, how, and you can't wrap your head around it, you can't rationalize yeah, it. That's the stuff that fucks me up. Yeah. That's why Hereditary did such a good yeah. job fucking me up. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, this is good. This is a good Halloween special, Herball. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you joining us here today. No problem, man. Because your name is Her Herschel. Herschel. 
<laughs> yeah, Herschel. I definitely did the right thing by go picking out the pumpkins the other day with the name Herschel. Mmm. That sounds like a motherfucker to go pick out some goddamn mm. pumpkins. Herschel and the picking pumpkins. That yeah. could be your uh, Herschel kids' and book. Herschel and the pumpkins. <laughs> that could be your kids' book or your band. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Your band. Herschel that's and the picking pumpkins. One. That's great. Yeah, that's a good band. That's good. We're going to yeah. take that, so don't fucking take it. Or I'll sue the shit out of you. You understand me? <laughs> you you had to stand me. Thank you very much for listening to. Yes, uh, well, this is well. Thank you very much for listening <laughs> to the supplemental Halloween yeah. edition of Between the Bumbles X. 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 We will see you next week for uh, God damn. We'll be right back on schedule next week. I'll tell you that much. How's that sound? We gravy. We're gravy. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. thank you very much for listening. We'll see ya. Yep. It's a spooky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>